Hello. <laughs> There's such like a silence there. Um, this is an intro to the inaugural episode of the um original show. I don't like the name. I went with I'll just I'll explain that before I go into anything else. I wanted a show to originally be called Precedented Thoughts because like people will say unprecedented thoughts, like thoughts that have never been thought before, right? So I'm like, no, precedented thoughts, because there are thoughts that have been thought before. There's nothing original about this. And then I realized that doesn't really work grammatically and like with vocabulary, because precedent doesn't mean unoriginal. So like it, it didn't work. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just do the unoriginal show. And then I'm like, that doesn't work. That just sounds weird. The original show seems to like come off more um and it's kind of it, it comes out easier and it's kind of like more ironic. And for a bit, I was singing the regular show, and then I was like, you know, that's kind of cheap and the ripoff, and if this ever, I hope to God it doesn't. But if people stumble upon this and actually listen to it, that won't be good. Cartoon Network will get mad, except I'm not making any money off of this, so that's just an ego thing. But, like, it also, I guess, could violate copyright, except I'm not making money off of this, and I'm not, it's like, I don't know if it would matter. They couldn't get anything out of me. I'm not stealing anything, just a name. Whatever. I don't really know how stuff works. I'm not a lawyer, but yeah. So I'm gonna get in the first episode. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff. Um, new season of Stranger Things. We'll talk about. Yeah, this is my second time recording this. I sat down yesterday for about two hours and I recorded, and my mic, none of it. The audio files are literally complete silence. I didn't notice because I was just like I didn't I didn't check and before this I I did a I did an audio check and it did work and I'm hoping this is and I'm gonna check every recording before I even move on to the next part because I'm not gonna waste two hours again if it isn't gonna work you know um so uh, we're just gonna hope and pray it does this time so I don't waste my day and um yeah we're gonna get into this it's gonna be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about Stranger Things, the new season. We're going to talk about a lot of other stuff. And, um, yeah, I got some water with me. So, you may hear me drinking that a couple times. I may, yeah, whatever. I don't know. We're just, I already did all of this yesterday. So, it, it will hopefully come a little more naturally. And I've been writing this script for about a week and a half. I wrote all of part one and two and then part three which is like the longest part i think and the peer review of volume one sorry i feel like i had a burp i didn't i can't burp that's another thing uh, i just i don't know how to do that it's so off topic whatever i keep hitting my mic it's on accident um whatever i what is it called i um I lost my train of thought. Yeah, this is unscripted once it gets to volume, I mean, sorry, part three. And after, like, after Robin, it really, it's just downhill from there. It is, it's me trying to keep a clear, precise, not precise, concise? I don't know what, just a straight thought. And, like, it be a clear-cut path, but that's not really going to happen. I just took my Adderall, so it's slowly kicking in. Um, yeah, it's almost 11 a.m. on June 14, 2022, and um, this has been a very long intro, but I'm gonna, we're gonna, let's just, let's just start it. Okay, let's just start the the show, I guess. A uh, content warning for this episode, um, it contains, this episode contains discussions of 
topics like uh, racism, homophobia, domestic abuse, and sexual assault. This episode also contains spoilers for Volume 1 of Stranger Things Season 4, Season 2 of The Wilds, the newest season of The Walking Dead, um, I guess The Last of Us 2, if you still spoiler warning that. And if I'm going to spoiler warning Last of Us 2, I might as well just give you a heads up. I talk about the uh, first two chapters of Lord of the Flies, possibly the third chapter, because um, <clears throat> I'm just telling you everything I like discuss, I guess, in this. When I wrote the script, I'd only read the first chapter. When I read it yesterday, I'd read two chapters. And now as I'm reading the script today, I've read three chapters. So that's just everything I talk about, uh, spoiler-wise, uh, content warning-wise. So that's everything you need to know before going into this. Yeah, uh, part one, now. Stranger Things is a Netflix original series created by Matt and Ross Stuffer. Its first season was released in 2016 and instantaneously became a hit. Taking place in the 80s and having a mostly youth cast, it attempts to strike a chord of nostalgia for viewers. It does so by resembling some of the same backgrounds, stories, tropes, and even actors of the 80s. I've seen criticism of how it isn't a time capsule of the 80s, but more of a time capsule of 80s media, but as someone who did not live in the 80s, I cannot agree or disagree with that statement. I have not done in-depth research on the 80s. All I can tell you is what I have seen in movies and what my parents have told me, so... Basically, all I can tell you is rooted in nostalgia. But the 80s backdrop is not the only reason why Stranger Things is so deeply and widely loved. It has a compelling science fiction story with a lot of horror elements it leans into. But the but besides that, the big reason it is so popular is the likable, relatable, and compelling characters that I find incredibly enjoying. And I'm not alone in that. Since its first season, the show has been deeply loved, and I personally believe the young and lovable cast is the biggest factor to making the show successful, which perfectly leads us into our first part. Part one, the fear of getting old. I'm kidding. Kind of. Stranger Things is by no means about a human's fear of getting old and not being able to do things youths do. But our youth is constantly fleeting. It is something we do not appreciate while we have it. We may even hate it. But by the time we are young, we miss it, we envy it, and we want it back. I think a lot of shows with younger characters and a younger cast but are targeted but are, but are targeted to an older audience are trying to induce that feeling of nostalgia and longingness for youth and their viewers. And with Stranger Things, that is even more prominent due to the fact it takes place in the early to mid-80s. People who were those characters' ages in the early to mid-80s are going to miss feeling that feeling on a much greater level. Not only are they going to see young people and miss being young, they're going to miss being young in the time period they were young in. Stranger Things uses the popular kids on bikes trope. Stephen King, whose influence on the show is unavoidable, pretty much invented that, that trope, which reminds me of his introduction to Lord of the Flies. I'm currently have to read Lord of the Flies for school, and in a way to procrastinate reading the actual book, I read Stephen King's introduction to the book. But basically, King tells a story of him being young in the 50s or 60s, and he read a lot. He read a lot of books with kid characters, but he felt those books did not fully and truthfully represent how kids actually act. This van came to his house that sells books, and he went up to the worker and he asked, Do you have any stories about how kids really are? And she gives him Lord of the Flies. Well, later on in his career, Stephen King was, sorry, I had to move my mic because it's too low and it just, it sounds horrific. Um, in his own career, Stephen King writes books about how kids really are, which I have not read anything he's written, but guessing by his impact, he's probably, you know, somewhat successful. I mean, I think he's, he's pretty accurate besides that, like, one scene in It, in the sewers. 11-year-olds don't do that. So... 
you know, <clears throat> he messes up sometimes, I guess. So this idea of representing kids as they truly are has been around since... Oh my god, I need to adjust this. There we go. My mic can't stand still. That's the issue here. I'll just restart this paragraph. So this idea of representing kids as they truly are has been around since the 1950s at least. But Lord of the Flies, Stranger Things, and King's works are usually targeted toward young, adult, young adults or older. So these stories aren't necessarily being written for kids. They're being written for adults who just miss being kids. And I love that, you know, since youth is fleeting, it's something you can't get back. That idea is prevalent through all types of media, like movies that are vastly different, like Tangled and X. Both have a central message about wanting to be young and holding resentment towards young people because you wish you were young and that resentment manifesting into inhumane and violent acts. You know, um, Tangled, she kidnaps a baby who has magical hair to keep her young and basically feeds off of her like a parasite her entire life. And then in X, these uh, younger people show up and these old people see them and they resemble what they wish they could be. You know, these young people are sexually active and they're, um, they're just like, they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. They're young, I guess, and these old people wish they could be young and they wish they could be sexually active and just sexual like these kids, and but they can't. They think they can, at least, because they're old, and so they start killing these 20-year-olds because they wish they were them. But I don't think Stranger Things is trying to make their older audiences young, uh, angry at younger people. It's just a side of the narrative I want to point out. Now, to go back to King's previous statement of wanting to have kids in media who act like how kids really are. In season three, Lucas and Max are dating, and they break up like 57,000 times. Um, they break up over petty shit and small arguments they've had. There's no serious issues that are constantly driving them apart. And when I say no serious issues, I am excluding fighting monsters from an alternate dimension. But they do this because they're 14. Sorry, I had to move my chair. Um, they're about to be freshmen in high school. They're basically still middle schoolers. And middle schoolers stereotypically will start dating. And then break up with each other before second period. And then get back together during fourth. And then break up again before dismissal. Now when I say that, I feel like I'm diluting their characters and their relationships. But that's not true. They are children and teenagers. So they're going to act like children and teenagers. Just because they can act stereotypically, it doesn't take away from the rest of their personality. The exact same way with real children. You know, you see what I'm getting at. Like kids acting like real kids it's a simple concept i mean lucas and max like they break up 57,000 times because he says something like is that a new zit and they get it on each other's nerves they it's just it's a stereotype but then you see them actually have real issues of like max overcoming her grief and pushing people away lucas being one of the people she pushes away like that is a real issue and they they are overcoming that slowly through season four and it's just showing, like, two sides of the same coin, and I appreciate that deeply. So, you know. So having kids act like real kids makes it so much easier to relate, which makes it easier for older audiences to remember being kids, and it makes the nostalgia for youth stronger. Stranger Things has perfectly crafted and curated this box of 80s youth and nostalgia to make these older audiences live vicariously through these characters and allow younger audiences to live vicariously through these characters. So that, And that's exactly what escapism is. It's living in another world through characters and media to forget about your own reality for a little bit. And at least relating to the characters and wanting to be them makes this process so much easier. Since Stranger Things did, did this, their audience is going to constantly keep coming back to their show. And I believe that's why a big chunk of 
people watch Stranger Things. Not because they love sci-fi or horror or giant fans of the Duffer Brothers. It's because they love these characters. These characters were made so you could easily relate to them. You could easily love them. You could easily escape through them. I feel like I didn't say enough about this. Because my transition, I'm about to move to part two, which is way longer than part one, is like not smooth. I just basically explained my hypothesis, though, of why Stranger Things is so popular and why people go back to it. You know, the plot is amazing, but what makes the plot, the people they're telling the plot through, the story through, is, is, like, the plot is good, but if these characters were stale and literally were just a piece of moldy white bread, you wouldn't watch the show, okay? Because it would be boring. Like, the characters they've created are perfect for the story they are telling and i think that's what i was trying to say so yeah and now now that i've talked about why the show is so popular i can talk about the actual show but i'm not going to do that i'm going to talk about the wilds i'll explain part two the wilds the wilds is an amazon prime original that released in december 2020 mentioning the show kind of perfectly relates back to part one in the sense the wilds is inspired by lord of the flies it is similar in that regard to, like, The Society, Yellow Jackets, and I guess maybe Lost. I haven't watched any of those shows. Don't tell anyone that. I'll get stoned to death. But also, if you Google shows inspired by Lost, I mean, sorry, inspired by Lord of the Flies, it l- says so much. It even, it, like, it says The Walking Dead, which, from what I know and have read of Lord of the Flies, that can be true. There are plenty, this stand hates me. It will not stay still. Um, there are plenty of people in The Walking Dead who become violent, animalistic due to the lack of structure and authority. Which, um, side tangent, but in Lord of the Flies, there's a scene in the first chapter where Jack stands up and he says he should be chief of the group because he can, like, sing in C-sharp. Him being able to sing in C-sharp will not make him a good leader of the group, but it's something from his past he was good at and gave him worth. That thing is obsolete now, but he's still going to lean on it because he thinks it gives him a position of power over others. Similar to how in season 11, The Walking Dead, they're at the Commonwealth, and I, uh, it's Yumiko, and she's talking to these interviewers, and these interviewers have been asking them questions like, what was your job before the outbreak? What was your zip code? Were you ever arrested? Even stuff like, how many bowel movements do you have a day, and what do you use to wipe? All of this stuff doesn't really matter anymore. And Yumiko basically says, in this world, in this like apocalypse, the job you had before the outbreak is worthless. The people who were street cleaners or had custodial jobs, they are now worth more than you. People who actually got their hands dirty and did physical labor are more adapt or more equipped for this world, you know, than people who could research and type really fast, which I loved. It kind of showed how our idea of class is stupid, and that is literally the, the exact same thing that happens in Lord of the Flies. Jack leaning on the fact he can sing in C-sharp, and these people leaning on the fact they were like paralegals are the exact same things. Their talents and jobs are obsolete now, but they still lean on it because they still think it gives them some sort of value over others. Now, I titled this part The Wilds, even though I will be comparing and contrasting uh, Stranger Things to other shows and pieces of media, but it's easy it's easy for me to explain while showing other examples of other things shows have done, but The Wilds will be my main topic of discussion. That's kind of a lie. Um, from here on out, I mostly just talk about The Wilds, so... That was that was a lie. I just it wasn't a lie. I just thought I would talk about like The Walking Dead or something, and then I didn't. That little tangent is the only thing I mention about The Walking Dead. Uh, hold on, in the content warning, I didn't mention I talk about the show Cruel Summer. Um, the first season of Cruel Summer 
at the very end of this. Sorry, I forgot to put that in there. I do. Spoilers for the first season of Cruel Summer. Anyways, let's talk about The Wilds. The Wilds is a show about these eight girls who get stranded on a deserted island as part of a social experiment. The first season shows them learning how to survive on this island while also showing their backstories and their lives at home. It also shows the girls being interviewed after they get rescued from the island. And the first season is pretty solid, I would say. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I believe it was very good. It was a very good show with a decent storyline and incredibly compelling characters. But the second season, I can't say the same. I didn't hate it. It wasn't awful and it kept me interested enough to want a third season. But the reason I remain interested and didn't entirely hate it are the girls who are these amazing and compelling characters. But almost everything else about the second season is a hot load of garbage. They added eight more characters and reduced the season by two episodes. You know, like, the first season followed a simple outline. Every episode centered on a different character and showed their past, present, and future. The second season attempts to do this with double the amount of characters and a reduced runtime. All of the new boys' character storylines are rushed. Only like three, maybe four of them kind of get a backstory. They're barely shown in the bunker being interviewed, and their island screen time is split with the girls. It does a disservice to every single character and their story, especially since some of the character stories are shit, and maybe being able to show them in full depth would actually make it good. You know, another thing, (laughs) I can't remember if I mentioned this or not, but the first season, people liked it because it was a show about women and showed the struggles women unique, like struggles that are unique to women and how they how they face them right and so the second season they attempt to add men which is cool but if you're gonna have a show entirely about women and their struggles and then you literally sideline them for a bunch of boring male characters whose storylines are a hot mess you ruin the show entirely like like it's stupid because it isn't an even split i mean if you're lucky the girls get a third of the episode's runtime of an episode's runtime it it's just really bad watch the show for yourself Talking about the boys, there are two characters named Kieran and Ivan. At first, it is kind of alluded to that they knew each other before the island and they hate each other a lot, but it isn't said why, but honestly, it doesn't need to be said. Ivan is a black, is a proud black gay teen and Kieran makes sly racist remarks and there's a whole conversation where Kieran says something about Henry being a butt munch and then Ivan, you know, rightfully so, he calls that out and then Kieran, a straight man, declares butt munch is not homophobic and Ivan points out how he's the only gay man there so his take should be taken should uh, be taken more seriously since he's the only one who actually knows what he's talking about and there Kieran does the most annoying thing possibly saying how do you, possible saying how do you know you're the only gay man here I could be closeted Kieran single-handedly attempts to mock queerness just because he does not like Ivan. He takes the idea of being closeted and, like, fucks with it. Like, that's the only way I can think to describe it. He just, you know, I'm gonna drink some water. You could probably hear that, and I don't care. Season 2, episode 6 goes into Ivan's backstory and some of Kieran's. To sum this up... In the easiest way possible, I'm going to put an excerpt from an article I read uh, about the Wilds' mistreatment of Ivan. Not necessarily mistreatment. Well, yeah, mistreatment. And, like, bad writing. Writing that caters to straight white to a straight white audience when their character is neither straight nor white. It just doesn't, you know, this shouldn't have to be said, but if you're, like, if you're writing a character who is not straight or is not white, your main target audience should be people who are not straight and are not white. Not straight white people, but I don't think they knew that. Or maybe they did, but they accidentally, that's in quotes, catered to the wrong audience because they're fucking idiots. But if they don't know the difference, they shouldn't be allowed to be writers. Whatever. Let's read this excerpt. 
In episode 6, we get a glimpse into Ivan's life before the island. He and Kieran the jock go to the same high school. When Ivan discovers photos of Kieran's beloved lacrosse coach wearing blackface, he exposes the coach to the school and gets him fired. The series of events is written like Ivan is the big bad woke bully whose social justice scheming costs a poor blackface wearing white man his job. Seriously, it gets worse. When Ivan discovers Kieran in a locker room crying over losing his coach, it's Kieran who gets the sad backstory to explain away his bad behavior. The coach and his wife are the family Kieran never had. When Kieran gets angry, Ivan baits him repeatedly, I don't love this phrasing, but it's unfortunately how the show frames it, into calling him gay slurs. Specifically, Kieran calls Ivan a woke F-word. Ivan was secretly recording the exchange in his phone, and when he posts the video, Kieran gets expelled. Instead of digging into how easy it was to taunt Karen into spewing slurs, the show paints Ivan as the villain. Ivan's boyfriend, Luke, gives him a sanctimonious speech about how he's letting the fight take over his life. Like, being black and gay in the world isn't an everyday fight. Now he's forgotten how to just be. Like, that's a choice. Ivan ends up apologizing to Kieran, the popular blonde dude who called him a slur. The moral of the story seems to be that the uh, seems to be that Ivan took this whole woke thing, you know, wanting people to be held accountable for their racist and homophobic actions, too far, and we should go easier on white people. Okay. Please feel bad for the white captain of the lacrosse team. The Wilds pleased with his audience. Ivan isn't given childhood trauma as an excuse for his actions, which I will defend to the death, or any real motivation for his behavior. Other than that, he's black and gay and on a mission to destroy white people. Ivan has turned into a villain for standing up for what he thinks is right. To me, that's actually pretty heroic. That's the story presented to you in the wilds. And being able to think critically, you can see it's a pretty fucked up situation. You know, Ivan may be wrong in some places, sure. But him being villainized like he is by the writers is, ba- is uh, basically portraying the narrative that it's okay to be proud of your identity and your race and your sexual orientation. But if your wokeness and your need for social change, justice, or equality starts infringing upon those of people who don't have your identity and Ivan's situation straight white dudes, you need to stop. You're wrong. That's not okay. It is not okay to be proud of your identity if you're going to use that pride to destroy others. Even if others do blackface and easily spew homophobic slurs, it is not okay. And that's a load of bullshit. These these writers make these marginalized characters and write stories about them being strong in their identity and how they're proud of themselves and then villainize them for fighting for their rights and their identity. It's like, how can you have someone be proud of themselves and then they stand up for themselves and all of a sudden they're wrong for that? That's dumb. The simplest way, easiest way to put it is it is dumb. Not only do the writers do this, the fandom, the stuff they have done revolving around Kieran is insane. For one, the second the show came out, they forgot about the racist marks he made to Scotty, him empathizing with a racist who did blackface, him calling Ivan slurs and mocking his queerness. Well, all of that's gone. Well, no, it's not gone. It's being used in ways that are just wrong. You know, it's, you know, simplest way to put it, it's wrong, it's incorrect. You know, the stuff with Scotty, I've literally not seen anyone mention it at all. It's just been forgotten, basically. The stuff with this coach in the locker room has been sh- has been shown, has been used to show Kieran has a sad, tragic backstory and he has no family. And Ivan is the mean bully who got him expelled. And then the scene on the fucking cliff where Kieran is like, maybe I'm closeted has been used for people to headcanon him as queer. I've seen mostly bisexual, a few gay, a few people say he's gay. Which, there is, like, so much wrong with that. You know, a man saying, hey, like, calling someone a butt munch and then basically just, like, mocking being gay to another man, a gay man's face, does not mean he is gay. If you saw that in real life and your first thought was that man's totally gay, like, even if he is, it doesn't make up for what he did. Like, water. That was really good. Sorry. 
was really good. It was really good. Hit of water I had. Um, and the worst thing people have done, the worst of all, is people are shipping Kieran and Ivan. They want them to get together. Kyvan. They have a whole ship name, you know? Forgetting everything they've done to each other, if you just strip it down, it is shipping a black gay man with a racist homophobic dude. If you don't see how blatantly wrong that is, I don't know what to tell you. I think you need to seek help. And, you know, you may be thinking, did the writers address all Kieran has done? Does he get any development that warrants this reaction? Maybe he's learned and move on from his wrong ways. He's repented from his sins and will never do them again. And the answer is no. Nothing at all. It's actually Ivan who apologizes to Kieran. You know, he apologizes to the guy who called him a slur and mocked his sexuality in front of him. Yep, Ivan apologizes, not Kieran, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Sorry, I was just I was just having on something else, should not um the only good thing Kieran does is support Josh after he is sexually assaulted by uh, Seth. And the dynamic between Josh and Kieran is not a healthy one. I'm not going to go into that right now. And it is most definitely not a good thing Kieran... Um, is, sorry, it is most definitely a good thing uh, Kieran supported and protected Josh after his assault. But I also do need to say that is the bare minimum. But you do see other characters struggling to do that uh, as well. They struggle to believe Josh. But you know who doesn't do that? who believes Josh as well, who is the first person to actually get on Kieran and Josh's side and stand up for them? Ivan. Yeah, but also Kieran believing a victim and trying to help him has nothing to do with his racism and homophobia. It doesn't absolve him of that because they're entirely unrelated things. So while Kieran maybe did one good thing, it doesn't mean he still can't be a sh really shitty person. You know, so it's it's like saying, for example, if I pushed my grandma down a flight of stairs and she died, but then I baked cookies for my aunt, I did a good thing, baking cookies for my aunt. That doesn't make up for the fact I killed my grandma by pushing her down a flight of stairs. Okay, they're entirely unrelated things. Me making cookies does not absolve me of the fact that I murdered my grandma. Okay? And so it's just like, you cannot do something that is like, you can't commit a crime, like, you can't do something bad related to one thing and then do something good entirely unrelated and expect the entirely unrelated thing to make up for the uh, the, th the one thing you did bad. Because they, they mean nothing to each other. They, absolutely nothing. They are, that doesn't make sense. So that's the story of the Wilds and of Kieran and Ivan, and I feel the way the writers tr uh, and viewers treated Kieran is similar to the way Billy is treated in Stranger Things. Uh, Billy joins the show as this tough guy with a cool car, and his younger sister is Max, this new character. Very quickly, Billy is shown to be super abusive to Max. Scenes are shown of him yelling at her and reprimanding her for things she should not be in trouble for. She's done nothing wrong. He also was really... Oh, that was a weird bird. He also really has no authority to be yelling at her like that. He's her stepbrother. I mean, it would be weird if her brother was reprimanding her like that, but let alone her stepbrother. No. That's just weird, dude. Um, you know, and the things he yells at her for are like basically having friends. And he usually yells at her in the car, and the way he yells is very violent and scary. I mean, she is scared of him. Uh, one of those times he's in the car with her, he literally is threatening to run over Dustin, Mike, L I think Lucas, and maybe Will. I can't remember if it was all four of them or it was just three of them. I know Dustin and Mike were there for sure. 
her new friends, he's like, I'm gonna run them over with my fucking car. And she's like, please don't run my friends over with your car, but he's mad at her. So he's threatening to do it. And in the end, he doesn't. But still, that is a type of um, torture. Like, dude. And one of these car ride chats, if you put it that way, he has with her is her saying that there are some people you shouldn't be friends with. Telling her you shouldn't be friends with Lucas. Basically meaning you shouldn't be friends with black people because he's racist. He knows nothing about Lucas. All he's seen is what the kid looks like. He's probably around Max's age and that they were talking. And from that is enough for him to make the assumption, hey, Lucas is a bad person and you should not talk to him, Max. He's a certain type of people that you shouldn't talk to, that you shouldn't be friends with. And it gets worse because later in that season, he shows up to the buyer's house. He sees Lucas, Max, Will, all of them there. He sees them there and he says, Lucas and Claire, what a surprise. I thought I told you to stay away from him, Max. She tells him to go away and then he says, you disobeyed me. And you know what happens when you disobey me. I break things. Then he shoves Lucas, a 13, 14-year-old boy, into a shelf and starts threatening him. Lucas knees him in the crotch, and then Steve shows up. They fight. Billy starts winning. He's beating the shit out of Steve. Max then injects him with some type of paralytic, tells him to leave her and her friends alone, and then basically threatens to hit him in the dick with Steve's nail bat. That scene is so good, because Sadie Singh's acting in it is, like, absolutely amazing. And you're kind of seeing some of that just repressed anger and, like, violence that has been built up inside of Max from the torture, not torture, but, like, I guess torture, the abuse she's had to endure for so long from Billy just coming out, and she doesn't even hurt him. She just threatens to, and it is so good. Her yelling in that scene is amazing. I obviously, like, I rewatched it for this, and it was, it was really good. You know, and then also the fact that Lucas assaulted, not Lucas, sorry, Billy assaulted a, a child, when he's 17, 18, fully grown adult, basically. Wrong. Having all of this in the second season, it isn't really a secret that Billy is an abusive and racist character. And that's not making me some that's not me making some insane claim about his character because I don't like him, you know, and I want to attack him. It is canon. This isn't, you know, it, I'm not reaching here. Okay. In an interview with the Vulture about Season 2, Episode 4, the Duffers say this. Season 2, Episode 4 is when Billy says there are certain people you shouldn't be friends with referring to Lucas. Matt Duffer says he's just a terrible person. Ross Duffer says he is racist, I think. It's reflective of people... It's reflective of people that he's viewing different from him and an overall rage at the world. In this case, seeing his sister with someone like Lucas leads to that conversation. Matt Dufford then also says, but also any way he can find a reason to attack Max, he'll use it. We wanted to be uh, honest about what an interracial relationship like that would do and how certain characters would react and how a character like Billy would react. Right? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god, I hit my mic with my headphones. I had to take them off because it's just bothering me for a minute. Okay, I'm fixing. I'm adjusting. I'm adjusting. We're recording again. The makers of the show themselves basically admit it. And in, in that interview, they outright say Billy is racist and thinks interracial relationships are wrong. Uh, they also say he will use any opportunity to attack Max. And that's exactly how Billy was written at first. And then they just forgot that. In season four, um, they act like Max is grieving her brother that she fought with. And 
didn't have a perfect relationship with, not a man who consistently abused her and attacked her friends. And dear Billy, when she reads the letter, she makes it seem like it's also her fault. They weren't a real brother or sister and good friends. When that's not the case at all. Around him, she feared for the safety of herself and her friends. She didn't do anything wrong. They weren't a real brother and sister because the brother made the sister fear for her life. You know, and maybe they're trying to show the complex issue of grieving your abuser, except they're not making that clear at all. It shows Max grieving a dead brother and her trying to adjust to her family dynamic being completely flipped upside down, but it does not talk about the pain and the abuse she had to endure because of Billy. While she may have loved him, she is now free of his violence, but they don't talk about that at all. Basically, after the second season ends, they hardly address any of the horrible shit Billy did, and he gets, like, no development. You know, he dies. He sacrifices himself. And maybe the good thing Billy did in some ways is more extreme than Karen's in the sense Karen is still alive. But those things do not absolve them of their crimes. I think a lot of writers don't understand that if their character does something shitty and then they try to redeem them for it, they should start with the character admitting it, saying they did it, and apologizing to the characters they hurt, and then working to be better. And now when I say that, it sounds a lot like reality, not fiction, but in the first part I did go on a whole tangent about how fiction can be representative and accurate to our real world. You know, characters will act like people in real life. And now, an apology sounds childish, kind of. Like, how is a simple apology and working to be better good media? I'd much rather have my characters die to make up for their shitty actions. And also, Billy could have apologized and still attempted to make make up for the pain he put Max and Lucas and their friends through and then died. Which, though, I believe what Billy did is irredeemable. But back to what I was saying, an apology seems to be childish and minute, but it happens all the time in media. And is successful in making entertaining stories, or at least popular stories. I mean, Maya apologizes to Karina on Station 19. They make a big deal out of it. It's emotional. They kiss. Ivan apologizes to Kieran, which he didn't have to do. And the Wilds, they make a big deal out of it. It's emotional. They don't kiss. Thank God. You know, Grey's Anatomy, it's been around since the dinosaurs, and tons of people have had angsty apologies in that show. And The Last of Us 2, Joel doesn't necessarily apologize to Ellie. He actually says he would do it all over again. But they want to go through a process of forgiveness and rebuilding their relationship, and it is emotional. I saw the first time I saw that scene. And actually, you know what? They had that, right? Characters discussing their issues maturely, and then Joel died. Literally right after. See, you can do it, and have characters die, and it still be entertaining. And, you know, Stranger Things has done this before. They know how to do it. With Steve, that is exactly what happens. And some people say he didn't have character development, and I'm not going to sit here and fight about why you should or shouldn't like Steve Harrington. Frankly, I don't care. But Steve, in the first season, he is a dick, right? He is a dick to Nancy. He's a bad boyfriend. He is a fucking douchebag, right? He, um, he, um, what does he do? Oh my god, sorry, I'm, I'm blinking. Him and his friends, they call her a slut, and they graffiti a movie theater saying she is one, right? They, uh, you know... And he, him and Jonathan get in a fight. They both get arrested. Or maybe Steve doesn't. I think he ran away. But Jonathan does. And he's just an overall dick. He breaks his camera, which Jonathan was being creepy. Like, saying the photos wasn't, it, it was. But whatever. Um, but you know what Steve did? Is he realized his friends were assholes. He realized what he had done was wrong. And then he... He cleaned up the graffiti. 
and he apologized to Nancy, and he helped them fight the Demogorgon, and then he worked to be a better person and a better boyfriend to her. So that's him admitting what he did was wrong, telling characters he did it. He apologized to both Jonathan and Nancy, and then he worked to be better. He did good actions, right? He didn't. They weren't. I'm not even gonna say they're good actions, but him cleaning up the graffiti, the graffiti he put there. They are completely related, right? So cleaning up the graffiti does more to make up for the fact he even put the graffiti there than him, like, making his grandma cookies or something. It's like Stranger Things has done a good apology to make up for a character before, right? And with Billy, they don't even really give him one. They just forget. So, that's the issue with it. Let's keep reading my script. You know, and you also don't have to have characters apologize or redeem themselves. Characters can just be bad, and that's the entire point of their characters. You know, the entire point can be that they suck. Um, But if you're gonna have these characters be complete pieces of shit, you can't let them do one good thing that is entirely unrelated to the bad things they did and call it character development. You cannot enable your fandom and your audience to treat these characters like they're great and the same as other characters when they're literally races. Right? If you're gonna have a character and their first point, their entire point at first was to be a piece of shit, you can't just forget that because all of a sudden you decided you want them to be good. They have to make up for it because if you don't, you are enabling your fandom and your audience to treat these characters like they're the same as others when they're literally racist or abusive or whatever, right? Let's continue reading. Um, both Kieran and Billy committed bigoted actions and get no backlash from characters writers the fandom etc and that's wrong it's painting a narrative that you can just be a violent hateful person and not expect any punishment for that and that does happen in real life i mean look at the depp versus herd case it was so publicized and johnny depp's cult just instantly latched onto it where the narrative was manipulated and you couldn't even listen to what amber heard had to say she was instantly dismissed villainized and not listened to and johnny depp was made into this martyr for male victims of domestic abuse johnny depp is the one with a violent past and has a history of being a creep he dated winona Ryder when she was 17 and he was 25 that's fucking weird it's creepy and most of all is a crime he has a past of doing creepy and violent shit but somehow he's the one that is made into a martyr and instantly believed not her she isn't even given a chance right the thing is, is that these shows are not trying to represent reality in that way. These characters are not necessarily an example or like an embodiment of that privilege. They just treat them like any other character, and that is wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> um, basically, after that long-winded rant about how much I hate Kieran O'Connor, Billy Hargrove, and the writers of their respected shows, I think it's time to actually talk about the new season. The new season... Of Stranger Things, Part 3, Stranger Things, Volume 1. Stranger Things 4, Volume 1. This is the last part of the episode, and I'm actually going to talk about the new season, which, I mean, I kind of already have, but, like, now in depth and fully focused on it. Also, Volume 1 is, like, the only thing out as I'm recording this, and probably when this is uploaded. I, I can't stop talking like that. Um, so these will be, like, things I liked in Volume 1, things I didn't like, the characters, and theories, I guess. I didn't- I don't really, like, have any adept theories. I have a few, like, assumptions, or, I don't know, um, guesses. Um, like, Will Byers is about 97% canonically gay at this point, and, um, that's not really a theory. 
but I feel in volume two, they'll uh, hopefully address it and um, whatever. Anyways, let's just like get into it. So as I'm recording this, it is 11:45 a.m., June 14th, 2022. So I think I have like 17 days. I think. Let me ask Siri. Siri, how many days until July 1st? Seventeen days. Let me ask again. Siri, how many days until July 1st? She doesn't read to you. She will not read. Does it come out the first or the second? I think it comes out the first. Yeah, it comes out the first. So that's in two Fridays? Now my phone won't turn on to tell me. How many Friday? Uh, uh, yeah, two Fridays. I got two more Fridays and then it comes out. So, whatever. Let's talk about Volume 1. Um, you know, let's just start with Will. I already mentioned him. I think he's gay for a lot of reasons. Um, they've hinted at him being gay since, like, the beginning of time. Literally in the first 18 minutes of the show. Like, Episode 1. Like, Season 1, Episode 1. Joyce says Will's dad said he was queer in a bad F word. Which, you know, you, you see Will's dad. He's a piece of shit. So his opinion should be taken very lightly, but this is a way show writers will hint early on to a character's sexuality. You know, before Stranger Things 4, Stranger Things 3 had a lot of stuff going on make it seem like Will is not interested in girls the way the other boys are. Uh, they all have girlfriends and would rather hang out with them than play D&D. And then there's that, like, famous scene of, like, Will and Mike yelling at each other in the rain, and Mike yells, It's not my fault you don't like girls. Flash forward to season four and the synopsis is uh, this. And I found, I found out recently it's pronounced synopses, not synopsises. In the synopses, they talk a lot about Elle thinking Will is a crush on somebody. They haven't necessarily directly or verbally elaborated on that. They only gave Will one candidate for him to have a crush on, and uh, that's Mike. You know, the only people he's been hanging out with have been his brother, Argyle, and Mike. I'm going to assume he does not have a crush on his brother. I do not think he has a crush on Argyle. And so Will is the, um, sorry, Mike is the only age-appropriate, non-incestual option he has. I know you can hear the water. I discovered that. You can definitely hear that. Um, so anyway, while Elle has been freaking out and stressing over Mike coming to California, Will has been making this, like, painting about someone he likes and he won't show Elle. He, like, awkwardly brings it to the airport where they're picking Mike up. Which is like, why would you want to do that? Unless he's giving it to someone there. Probably Mike. And there's like a lot of stuff that happens. But another scene that comes to mind that seems to be like the final nail in the coffin. That Will does not like girls. This girl in their class like runs her foot up his leg trying to flirt with him. And I feel they were like not going with the type of discomfort. That yawn came over me like a demon. It possessed me. Um, and I feel like they were not going with the type of discomfort you get when, like, someone you don't like hits on you. Well, I mean, they did, but it's different in the sense of Will isn't even, like, attracted to that person's uh, gender. And then also, recently, actors have said stuff about Will being gay and even um, Byler. <sighs> David Harbour and Finn Wolfhard have this whole clip. It's insane. And there's, like, some fan theory they're reading, and it's, like, Will likes Elle. And David Harbour is, like, Will, he doesn't like Elle. He's interested in someone else. And then Finn Wolfhard is there, and he's, like, yeah, he's really interested in someone else. You'll see soon. And they're both all giggly and shit the whole time. And it's just, like, clearly, like, 
I don't know, man. It just, I feel like the way they were doing it, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I know I'm not alone in that feeling. It just seems like they were hinting to, like, Will liking Mike. Because as mentioned, besides L, the only choices he has is um Mike, a dude way older than him who also smokes pot and is, like, best friends with his brother, or his um brother. He has interacted with no one else besides his mom and Murray this season, and the bullies at school, and I don't think he has a crush on Angela, so. Millie Bobby Brown said something along the lines of Will is just figuring out his sexuality, which is very true. He's 14, 15, he's figuring everything out. I mean, it's also 1986. It's very different for him then than it is for people now. There's less information out there to find out, and he's just he's just figuring it out, and that's good. That's true. That's accurate, what she said. And then Noah Schnapp did two very insane things um one is just stupid and the other is clinically insane it's not clinically insane i shouldn't say that it's just what first thing he said is will sexuality is up for interpretation no as a gay person if i made a show or a movie and i made two girls kiss date marry buy a house together and then someone told me the romance and queerness of their relationship is up for interpretation, I'd kill myself. No, of course, maybe it's a little different. You know, Will isn't dating anyone and hasn't, this is in air quotes, hasn't outright done anything gay. I'm getting a phone call from Independence, Iowa? Is IA Iowa? This is off topic. I A. It's Iowa. I had to sneeze. I'm so sorry. I got a call from Independence, Iowa. That is so far away. Whatever. Let's. Let, whatever. The sun came out. Why did the sun have to come out? God. It's like I have curtains, but it's just so much lighter in here all of a sudden. Whatever. But like, Will hasn't done anything outright gay. He's not dating anyone. He hasn't kissed any boys. He hasn't. Everything is very just alluded to. You know, the way his character is written, I very, I very much hate to say this is queer coded at the least. So, I mean, when there is a mass amount, and I mean a mass amount of people who think your character is gay, you know, they have interpreted this character to be gay because there's so much evidence pointing to the fact that he is gay, and you say it's up for interpretation, it's kind of dumb. Like, that is stupid. It reminds me of the show uh, Cruel Summer. These two girls become friends throughout the show. I think it was Kate and Mallory. I think their names are... Oh my god, I have a headache from the brightness in this room going up. Kate and Mallory... And they were polar opposites, um, but then they just became friends throughout the show, and it seems that Mallory is, like, deeply in love with Kate. Last episode, Kate, the one that I actually wouldn't say was deeply in love with the other, she kisses Mallory, you know, on the mouth. These two girls kiss on the mouth with that song from Fear Street playing. And then Olivia Holt, who plays Kate, gets up and says it's up for interpretation. It could have, you know, been a platonic kiss on the mouth with the song from Fear Street playing. Do you hear how dumb that sounds? When you have only happy when it rains playing in the middle of the street as they have just overcome some severe trauma and then they kiss, that is not that is not platonic. That is that is romantic, okay? And the thing is, is those arguments and those statements of how stuff could be platonic when it is so blatantly romantic is always applied to queer relationships. So Noah Schnapp saying that is just contributing to that narrative of queer identities are up for interpretation instead of them just being flat out queer. Like, that, that, that's, that's annoying. It's a thing that's been around forever. It's like, it, it, it is just like, it's like trying to like, it feels like it's trying to like put queer people under a bush, you know? <laughs> that feels like such a Christian way to explain it. Of like, 
uh, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm not gonna put it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Like, I feel like queer people are the light, and they're just trying to shove them out and hide them. And I feel like saying it's up for interpretation is just another way of doing that. And it's like, no, they're friends. They're just friends. It's like, are they, though? Are they? No, I feel like when it says this, I'm not a buddy, okay? That's so off topic. Literally not in my script ever do I mention the show 911. But I don't I don't ship fucking Eddie. I think those stands are unhinged. Okay. As someone who has seen all of 911. <clears throat> well most of it at least. Um you know, I just there it's too much, okay? It's too much. Anyways, let's move on. Noah Schnapp also did one other thing that's just so insane. He tweeted, um, he tweeted, <coughs> I can't even say without coughing. Let me breathe. You can hear my dog in the background. He tweeted, season four has me shipping Byler over anything. Volume two, now. Besides the fact that it's just crazy. Hold on, I might only think it's crazy because he tweeted it. Or maybe anyone on any show tweeting something like along those lines is crazy, but him doing it gives me a visceral reaction. I hate it so much. Him doing that is insane. But what makes it worse is he tweeted that, like, right after he said... My dog is being so loud. Right after he... Right after he said Will's sexuality is up for interpretation. I guess we know his interpretation. Anyways... I'm not even going to do a smooth... I hit my mic again. I'm not even going to do a smooth transition. I want to talk about Robin. I'm done talking about Will. I want to talk about the only other canon gay character on that show. Well, actually, sorry. I saw people on TikTok saying Steve is canonically bi, but I've seen nothing to... Uh, I hate this word I'm about to say, but I've seen nothing to prove the canonicity of him being bi, besides the fact it's like a giant headcanon. Um, so I googled it, right? Is Steve Harrington gay? And I saw an article, and it said Billy Hargrove is queer-coded. And just shut the fuck up. That's annoying. And Billy Hargrove is not the gay representation we need. I think the I think the person's support for that is the entire ship between Billy and Steve. Which that shit is like so annoying. Like they beat the shit out of each other and they hated each other. And unless it's a clear enemies to lovers type ordeal, that's annoying. Why can't gay people in media just love each other and be a couple? They don't have to hate each other and beat the crap out of each other. And also, that's not what enemies to lovers is, by the way. It's not being violent toward your future partner. It's just being rivals, not liking each other, being on opposite sides. You know? That was some really good water. It's not beating the crap out of your partner at, um... On the basketball court. Sorry, I couldn't remember. Another person... The person's, like, other reasoning was um, Billy being... He's flamboyant. He uh, has long, curly hair and wears tight jeans. Shut up. Anyways, um, back to Robin. I love her. I very recently listened to the Surviving Hawkins podcast about Robin. It is very good. It is six episodes, and it's Robin's story during season one. Um... Off topic. Do you ever get that feeling of like you talk too much and you just feel like you're gonna puke? That is me right now. I'm okay now. It passed. Am I anemic? I'm not anemic. <laughs> That's not what anemia is. I'm not gonna chew ice. I need to stop.
I need to stop thinking. Whatever. Um, Robin is a sophomore. She hates Hawkins, and she's obsessed with the idea of, like, camouflaging and blending in in high school, you know? Every episode is usually a conversation between her and her favorite teacher, an English teacher named Mr. Hauser. Oh, that was disgusting. Um, another thing I love is, like, every episode is titled after a literary work because he's a literary teacher. Um, and I've read, like, roughly 35% of the works they mention. I've read The Outsiders, and I read The Lottery, and I've read the first two, now three, chapters of Lord of the Flies. So that percentage might be a little different. It might be, like, 37 and I love literature. Like, this past school year, I was a part of the academic decathlon team. And my job and my strength was literature. So I had done a brief studying of Our Town, Frankenstein. Mary Shelley, in general, is, like, really cool. She carried her husband's heart around her pocket after he died for years. And, like, Dante's Inferno. So I understand what they were saying. I understood what they were saying. And, then like, I related to them in that way, you know? And so I enjoyed that element. And the, like, actual story being told was also really good. But that just added more to it to make me love it um so i know technically the new season proves robin's book isn't canon therefore making the podcast non-canon because they're companion series but i don't know i haven't read the book but i do feel the podcast still provides input on robin and who she is and how she became to learn more about herself through this teacher and it's a really good podcast i recommend it it's a really good story um i do i already recommend it it's only like it's only six episodes they're only like 30 minutes in length i think roughly every single one am i wrong about that I think they're about like 30 minutes apiece. Um, I'm gonna double check real quick. I'm like dying over here. Like, I, I'm dying. See, this is better though, because if I had recorded this last week, it would have been horrible because I've been sick. I was sick last week. But it's called Rebel Robin Surviving Hawkins. And. Well, I just clicked it. Yeah, every episode's like 30 minutes or less. Um, and it's only six episodes, so you can finish in like an hour or two. Oh my god, could you hear that? I have headphones on, you probably couldn't. I'm getting Discord notice. That is so annoying, not right now. Whatever, let's talk about this this podcast. Um, Mr. Hauser is a very nice guy. He's the younger teacher at the school, and he offered Robin his classroom so she can eat lunch in there when she needs to, and they start having uh, conversations, and like, a lot happens. You know, and basically, the two biggest things that came out of it for me is one, uh, Mr. Hauser, there's like this very emotional scene, and Mr. Hauser like tells Robin, there's nothing wrong with her. You know, she's fine as she is. She doesn't need to worry. My dog is so loud. She doesn't need to worry about Hawkins. It's not her fault. She has a hard time making friends and like all of this stuff. And it's just like, I feel like she's about to start barking. If she starts barking, I'm going to literally kill her. She's getting euthanized today if she starts barking. Chloe, if you bark, I'm going to euthanize you. I think we're good. Um... And it's like it's an emotional scene. Like their dynamic is very much just Robin needs an older person to be able to confide in. And she clearly can't do that with her parents. You know, she's telling Mr. Hauser she wants to go to Europe. And she hasn't even brought that up to her parents. A big point of their conversation is him trying to convince her to tell them. You know, it it, it was a really good scene because like it kind of just like, especially when you care about a character in that extent, you want them to be told, like, hey, don't hate yourself. It's okay. And I think since she has she has no one her age and she has no one older she's able to confide in. So she just this stuff manifests of where she blames the fact she has no one to confide in on herself. So she like she starts to hate herself. And so having someone tell her, like, hey, that's not your fault. You're okay. You're smart and you're a great student and like all this type of stuff. It like it is very my dog is over here having a stroke. Hi girl, are you okay? You okay? You okay? 
it's just it's really good and also mr hauser my second point is you know he he's gay and it's like hinted at through the entire i'm gonna have to put her outside chloe can you lay down can you calm down and lay down please no was that a no 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 she's shaking her head no at me it's like kind of annoying like you can hear the collar if i just take the call come here come here i'm gonna take your collar off so you stop making noise um oh well no your ears are loud too i'm never gonna be able to finish this podcast she's smelling me now she's sniffing me i'm just gonna keep reading i'm gonna ignore her also, Mr. Hauser is gay. It's hinted out through the, the entire show. And episode five, it's like heavily alluded to. He's like on a date and Robin sees, but she's like, oh, he's that's just some random guy. Um, and episode six, he says it. Uh, I think that's like very important for Robin because in the show, she clearly has a crush on Tammy Thompson. But I don't think she knows that. She just sees a girl who she thinks is really cool and awesome and wants to be friends with. And she doesn't realize those are more romantic feelings yet. I think Mr. Hauser being open about that with her helps her realize she can be gay and like girls. Like, this is a small town in Indiana in the 80s, so I mean, the topic of gay people were probably hardly discussed. So she maybe just didn't even think about it a lot, and so maybe him being gay just allows her to think about it and to realize she is. You know, like, depending on, like, the people you grow up around and the morals you have, the morals that were crafted and given to you, I would say, um, in that time period or now even, like, the thought of gay people, if you're straight, you either think, oh, they're not that bad, or they suck, right? pretty much that's it black and white but if you're gay you know you might have thoughts like that or you just shut it down entirely because you're like you don't want to think about that because like what if no i'm not let's just not and so i feel like robin was probably in a situation like that of where she didn't think about it and you know him being there allowed her to you know and then you get you get characters like barb and if you go with the understanding of the assumption that she is straight she just probably had thought about gay people being like oh they're not that bad because she knew about mr hauser and she told him like hey other people know I know, I mean, I know, other people might know, and it might not be a good reaction. And then Barb disappeared. Um, that was that, right? It, so it's like Barb, just good straight ally in 1983. Whatever. One other thing I do love is in one episode, she runs into Steve in the hallway, and she says, I can't wait to never see that guy again. It's just, that's your best friend, man. Like... A lot of these conversations she's having with Mr. Hauser, she's going to start having with Steve. And I love that. Like, one thing they talk about in the podcast is people change over time. So Rob and Steve both change enough to where they become best friends. And before, they didn't even know each other. They didn't like each other. And now, it's like, they're literally best friends. Now she's growling. Chloe! <laughs> Excuse me, I'm gonna send her outside. Chloe, you wanna go to the living room? Do you wanna go to the living room? Oh my god, you totally wanna go to the living room, don't you? She's gonna go to the living room. And she's out. And I'm free from her. And she's still barking in the hallway, but now it's not as bad. Whatever. My phone is at 4%, but I'm not recording on my phone. I'm recording on my laptop, which is plugged in. But basically, yeah, Steve and Robin, like, both changed enough to, like be friends in that show actually like robin changes a bit and then steve you know obviously you don't see him but you get to see the changes he does go through the first season like in episode one or two was it three i think it might have been three 
hear how loud she is? Oh my god. She's so loud. Dude. In episode three, I think it's whatever whatever episode I think I think it's the episode they talk about the Inferno. She like runs into Steve in the hallway and she's like, Hey man. They like get in a little fight, and that's when she says, I hope I never see that guy again. And then um at the last episode, episode six, you see you Steve in the background with Nancy and he's like trying to be like a good boyfriend to her. And it's just like he changed a little bit. Or he's trying to, because it's an active choice you make, guys. Um, and so now maybe I'll actually talk about Robin in season four. She's great. She's funny. She's one of the best characters in the show. And she's established as a lesbian now. And so they're kind of giving her a lesbian storyline. She has a crush on uh, Vicky, this girl she's in marching band with. And Vicky is played by, uh, I think her name is pronounced Amy Beth McNulty. I've, Amy Beth, that's how you say it, right? Um, who started on Anne with an E. Amy Beth McNulty also recently came out as bisexual, which is very cool. And off topic, one thing I do really like is, like, in her coming out post, she posted, like, multiple pictures of people, I think, at, like, Pride events holding signs that say Anne Shirley is bi as hell. And I believe Anne Shirley is her character in that show. And I haven't even watched Anne with an E, but I love that. Also, is Shirley an Irish name? Is Shirley an Irish name? Hold on. Is Shirley an Irish name? It knew what I was Googling. It must be. Oh, it's English. I thought it would be Irish. Is that is that not... It's English. Oh. I thought it would be Irish. Now, this is saying it's Scottish. I don't know. I really don't know. Whatever. We're still talking. Um, but I, I just, like, I think that would be cool. Like, if you're playing a character and you're, like, figuring out your sexuality and people are saying that your character is the sexuality that you are and you're ultimately coming to terms with, I think that would be very cool. And it would be very, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Empowering or, um, like, what is that word I'm looking for? Of, like, validating, maybe? It would just, it would feel, like, it would feel right of, like, you would feel represented. And I just, I, I love that. Love that. Um, so yes, Robin getting a lesbian storyline, and that's great, except it's mentioned in about three scenes. Do you hear her? Oh, I don't even know if you can hear her, but I can. She's so loud. Oh my god, I hate my dog sometimes. Um, it's mentioned in about three scenes and never talked about again. Uh, Robin and Nancy's dynamic in the season is gayer than the entire relationship between Robin and Vicky just because it's there more. You know, Robin and the Nancy and Nancy, the Duffer brothers, like most likely did not intend to look I uh, look as um you know they did not intend for them to look, I guess, as uh, smitten as they do with each other. And um, you know, that's probably just Natalia Dyer and Maya Hawk doing whatever the fuck they're doing. They before the season even came out said, Yeah, they're like, Yeah, there's some there's some Nancy Robin action this season. And Maya Hawk has on about like seven different occasions mention how she wants a love story between Nancy and Robin in some way, shape, or form. And it's just, you know, sometimes it, it's funny, but it's also just like, you're getting people's hopes up, man, for something that's not going to happen. And just gay people are fragile sometimes. And by that, by, by gay people, I, I do mean me, myself, but it's just, you know, whatever. The gayest thing Robin has done since her scenes with Vicky and Nancy is say that her and Steve's relationship is platonic with a capital B and that they're not dating. You know, she's a great and entertaining character. They're just ignoring the fact she's a lesbian for the most part. And I don't like that. Actually, okay, 
rewind. The Duffers, the Duffers did write and shoot a scene of Nancy asking Rob and other friends, and I feel if it was a completely platonic relationship on both sides, you would not feel the need to ask someone to make sure that you're friends. You would just know. And they do a lot of other stuff that can maybe be explained as romantic. I'm, I'm just not getting my hopes up, because I don't think that was the intent, especially since Nancy already has two other love interests right, that's going on right now. And Robin seems to be, like trying to lead nancy into one of those directions which i don't don't know i don't know what they're doing i honestly don't know um we're now entering unscripted territory i talked about will and everything else um everything i wrote about robin i do have a checkpoint of things i do want to mention in the rest of this part i think there's 10 subtopics in this part in general and we're only on topic two um and it's taken me 25 minutes to talk about both of them i'm not even done yet with robin i just i do love um the idea of nancy being in love with sorry robin being in love with a a girl that steve that that is in love with steve again because that just sucks for her and i like that because it sucks for her i i mean that does suck for her and i don't love it it's just cool i don't know Cause, and the reason I say that is because people have used that audio of, like, them in the bathroom of being like, but she couldn't stop looking at you. Talking about how Tammy couldn't stop looking at Steve, but they changed the name, so it's like Nancy couldn't stop looking at Steve, and Robin wanted Nancy to look at her. You know? I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, and another thing, though, is if they find a way to include Vicky in the last two episodes... It would feel rushed and, like, sidelined. Especially if, like, they don't, but they somehow get together in between seasons four and five. It's just like, okay, you do that, but you literally drag on the Steve Steve and Nancy plotline for four fucking seasons while she's in love with Jonathan the whole time. She doesn't even love Steve, and it's just like... But you can't even give Robin, like, one season? It's just wrong to me. It's wrong. I don't know. I'm gonna drink some water. That was really good water. My dog won't shut up. And someone's cutting grass outside. So if I let her outside, she's gonna be barking just outside. I can't stand her. I literally cannot stand her sometimes. I don't know, man. I just, I feel like Robin deserves better. And they could do better. Um... With her storyline and her storyline with Vicky and with Nancy. I don't know. That's why I think Rebel Robin surviving Hawkins is so uh, good and important is because it's doing something the show does not allow for her to do, like, for, to happen for her. And it's just. That's one thing, like, Maya Hawk talked about of, like, having queer characters on tv and like having people empathize with those characters can then help that 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 feeling of like empathy i guess manifest in their real life so they then empathize with gay people like real gay people which is so annoying that that is literally an idea we have to discuss of like maybe maybe if we put gay people in media and they're likable that can make people like gay people in real life like why can't they just in general like why why they hate that why they hate that's such a that's such a good sentence like why do they hate like it doesn't it doesn't make sense like it doesn't bigotry doesn't make sense because sometimes it's like hey all you have to do is listen to someone and learn a little bit and then be nice to them and it's like that's all you have to do it's kind of a simple concept in a lot of ways it's obviously more complex and the issues are more complex than that but learning and how and learning how to be a better person is not a hard thing to do you know so it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense why people can't easily do that 
in my opinion. I don't know, because you do have to, like, rewire your brain sometimes, but sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm rewiring my brain, but it's so I can become a better person and, and be, be better. But, you know, it's hard for people to do that. And basically, like, another thing is, like, Maya Hawk mentions, like, it's such a popular show, right? So, um, that more people will see that, like, every, like, so many people that would never seek out to watch the little indie gay shows are going to be watching Stranger Things, you know? And that's just, that's true. Um, and so, like, since Stranger Things is so popular, like, it is very important. But the thing is, is Robin doesn't even necessarily get the same storylines as so many other characters. She got literally, like, a couple scenes in season three and, like, five scenes maybe in season four. And so they had a whole podcast dedicated to her and her storyline and some of her queerness. But the thing is, is not everyone's going to listen to that podcast. But they're going to watch the show on Netflix on their TV when they get home or something. Like, it's so much more, like, the show is so much more accessible. So if they could put some of that same effort in the show, it would mean a lot, in my opinion. I don't know. Uh... Uh, I break in the recording because you can only record 30 minute segments and I'm at 29 minutes and like 45 seconds in the segment but I'm still going to be talking about volume one after this tiny little cut of noise I feel like I've maybe covered every base I can cover with Robin and I should move on to discussing new characters but it's just you know I I I love Robin I could talk about her for seven more hours. So that's why I'm going to move on. Also, my dog is still barking because they are still outside cutting grass. Not my grass. I don't know whose grass they're cutting. It's somebody's grass and it isn't mine. But it sounds insanely close to my house, which is scary. Because no one is supposed to be cutting my grass. It is so loud. Hold on. Hold on. Stay here for a minute. Stay stay here for like 10 seconds. I'm going to look out my window. We're not, we're not editing this, and I'm not starting another, you're, you're just gonna, uh, silence for a bit, hold on. Text my mom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone's cutting my grass. Why are they cutting my grass? I don't know why I'm saying my grass. I don't own this house. Whatever, we're gonna ignore it. We're gonna ignore it until my mom responds and tells me to do, do something. We're gonna talk about the new characters in Stranger Things. We had Chrissy Cunningham in the first episode, who I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought she was going to become a good character. I was rooting for her so hard. And then she died. Sad. I mean, yeah, I was, like, actually rooting for her. I was, like, I was really excited. And then they kind of just killed her. And I was like, oh, guess not. Um, and then we have Jason Derulo. Fuck, is his last name. Jason Derulo. What is his last name in that show? Jason from Shadow Things. Jason Shadow Things. What's his name? Jason Carver, who was dating Chrissy Cunningham, um, um, I've, uh, he's an antagonist in, uh, Stranger Things, serving as one of the secondary, Stranger Things, I think, has always done that, of, you have the, like, the Demogorgon, or the Mind Flayer, or Vecna, and then you have a little, little baby, little human, little baby, little human baby antagonist, and, uh, um, yeah, little human beings having the 
Um, what was I saying? Yeah, and uh, James A. Janice, who is a man I love, um, let me go on the Twitter to, sh- to read a tweet he had said about why Jason is maybe the best written character of, uh, what do you call it? Hold on. Chloe! Stop! Who is maybe, you know, the best character of the new season. Oh, wait. Oh, no. No! <laughs> Sorry, I just got very very distracted. Literally, James and Chelsea have been talking about, talking about, uh, have been talking about doing a, um, a podcast episode or something on LGBTQ representation in horror films. Um, and they never have. And <laughs> so he tweeted, I successfully filmed the Stranger Things to the numbers bit and Stranger Things 3 to the numbers bit in a single take. And I'm very proud of that. And it worked out that way. Uh, you'll see why on Friday. Don't expect anything too elaborate, but it was fine and could have gone wrong. LOL. Right. And I guess someone replied to this tweet. I think it was this tweet. Um, my mom is texting me. I'll read that in a second. I think it was this tweet. It might've been another tweet. Yeah, it was that tweet. And they said, hey, at Dead Meat James, any plans for the oft-maligned or misrepresented LGBTQ plus in horror films? It's Pride Month, and this might be an opportunity for hot takes on gay characters, better or worse, in horror cinema. Right? And he said, genuinely wanted to work in Butcher Baker's Nightmare Maker for Pride Month, but unfortunately, I ran out of time with the mega length of the Stranger Things episode. This year, we'll have to settle for Robert and Scene and ST3. I'll try to do better next year. My apologies. I, and then someone's like, I mean, couldn't you also cover an LGBTQ film or any of the other 11 months too? I understand wanting to do it during Pride Month, and it would be cool to see more LGBTQ horror movies covered all year long. Um, yeah, and I probably will. While I see both perspectives, I tend to fall in the camp of wanting to cover diverse movies all year round rather than just in the specific their specific highlight months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's sad though, because Robin's one scene, and like how he says, just a single scene is like. Not enough always, but, you know. Um, let me find the tweet that he said about Jason. Um, dude, my hair is a mess, bro. Um, he said, Eddie gets a lot of love in Stranger Things 4, and that's cool, I guess. But for me, the best new character might be Jason. It's great having a scary, effective human antagonist after the Boarfest that was Gregory. Jason is the power of privilege used to condemn and hunt others. I have to go open the gate. So, everyone, we're going to do another audio break. Or I might just re-record. I'm not going to re-record it. Fuck it, who cares? So, here's another audio break. I have to go open the gate. Bye-bye. Okay, now it's a little quieter. My dog, I put her in the kennel. She needs to calm down. Seriously, she does get really worked up sometimes. And it's just like, you need to relax. And so, it's like putting her in her like little safe space. Because that is a safe space. Her safe space is either my bed or the kennel. She did, like, uh, she would always run there. If she's, like, if she pissed on the floor and we were, like, why did you piss on the floor? She would run away to the kennel. That's where she would go to, like, hide. Or if she just got tired, she would literally lay in there and, like, take a nap when the doors open. So I'm not forcing her in the crate in the crate as, like, a form of punishment. It literally will calm her down. And so it's a little quieter now because she's not barking and they're also in the backyard and they might be gone by now. Because I hear absolutely nothing. But whatever. 
so yeah, I was talking about Jason. Um, and yeah, he's a well-written character in the sense of he's a good human antagonist because he embodies that privilege. Like he's literally he's he's just a rich white guy who knows how to control a crowd, and in reality, that's all you need to succeed. Like seriously. Um, and James, I clicked away from his fucking tweet. Oh no, I didn't. Sorry, I was reading something. Um, what am I reading? What am I reading? What am I trying to find? Yeah, and then and then and, and, and <laughs> cannot speak. Someone uh replied to him to the tweet he wrote about Jason and said, "Um, holy shit, dude!" Sorry, I was just reading something. His Stranger Things three kill count is gonna be around an hour long, and he just finished filming it, and it comes out Friday. So he's got like a couple days to edit it. It'll probably be out in time. Whatever. Um, basically, someone replied to his thing of like, also love that the foreshadow to his ability. They also love that the foreshadow his ability to control a crowd with faulty logic and pleas to emotional outbursts with a pep rally. And then he just uses the same strategy on the town, just how a small local smooth talker can get it and get into a true position of power with the same playbook. And he said, "Yep, this exactly dude will obviously run for office if he makes it out of street, uh, season four alive." Dude has so much power. In some ways, he has more power than the fucking, than Vecna. Just because he can manipulate people easily and incite emotions in them to literally make them consider... My dog is barking again, but it's okay. To consider hunting another human being alive because they think he killed someone. And there's no proof to prove he did kill her or didn't kill her. There's actually... Well, no, there's proof that he didn't kill her. There's so... But that doesn't matter. There's no proof to prove that he, he really did. They just think he did. And that's... I guess we could... Um, there's only really one other new character. Two other new characters. There's... um. There's three other new characters. Sorry. There's Argyle. Um, he's fun. I like Argyle. He's cool. There's like some minor ones. Also of like... Susie's family in like one episode. Don't know if the mic picked up that noise. It was scary. Um, that, okay, whatever. We're gonna ignore it. Um, oh yeah, and there's like Argyle, and there's like Susie's family, and then there's uh, that uh, the dude who dies with the scar on his face. You know what I'm talking about? Nancy's friend. The dude who dies in Stranger Things 4 with the scar on his face? Yeah. Um, there's Chrissy. I remember Chrissy Cunningham. Cunningham. Um, um, I don't... Fred. 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 Fred dies. Um, and there's Argyle, there's Fred, there's Chrissy, there's Jason, there's Eddie. Eddie, I'm going to talk about last because that, I was going to talk about how Satanic Panic is portrayed in season four, and I enjoyed that, and he perfectly relates to that. Um, there's Vicky, and then there's Vecna, and number one, Peter Ballard, that guy, who, they're cutting the grass again, and it's really loud. But it's okay. We're going to ignore it. We're gonna, and we're gonna ignore it. 
Yeah. Peter Ballard. Vecna. Number one. He's cool, I guess. I don't really know. I People are saying he's an anti-capitalist king. I don't think so, but I'll talk about I'll talk more about that when I actually get to the Vecna subtopic. Um there's nothing really much I could say. Like Argyle is cool. Um he's just a stereotypical stoner and he's fun. Nothing to hate about him. He's not like my favorite. And a part of the reason is because I will talk about it more when I start talking about multiple storylines, is I didn't um enjoy the time as much that is spent with Argyle and those characters as much as I enjoyed the time spent with, like, the Hawkins crew. That's another reason, like, Eddie is my favorite new character, period, because he's, you know, he he's in scenes I enjoy watching, not scenes that I, I just watch to watch the show in its entirety. I was, like, bored. I'll talk more about that later. Um, so, Eddie, Satanic Panic. Um, Titanic Panic, there's, like, a lot more to it, but as it relates to D&D is that they thought, uh, they thought D&D and rock music was, um, and metal music was, like, worshiping the devil, which it isn't. Um, that's just nonsense. Um, oh my god, my nose. Dude, you can definitely hear that, and I'm so sorry, but I don't care. Yeah, and so, like, Eddie, he plays D&D at school, and so he's ostracized for that. And he's called a freak, and he doesn't really let it get to him. But when he's accused of killing a girl, that is that that is their whole evidence. Is that he plays a game that they say makes people murderous, and he is a cult leader, and he's a freak. So that means he killed this girl. He didn't. He was very nice to her, actually. She enjoyed his presence, and they were a very friendly relationship. Um, some people ship them. I don't, personally. I think Eddie's gay. Yeah. There's actually something about that of like he had a black bandana in his back pocket. Apparently that was code in the 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 the, the um the eighties for like gay men to show they wanted to have gay sex. I seer codes have been around for forever. I love it, man. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of an ichthus. Um an ichthus is the Greek word for fish, I believe. Um yeah, and if you Google it. If you ever if you've ever seen that fish, it's usually it's a Christian thing, um, and it's it, it's that the fish with the curve. And so basically, what people would do in the first century is if you know when Christians were being persecuted and murdered, they would draw half of the fish in the sand mid conversation. They wouldn't explain why they did it, and if the person would draw the other half of the fish, it means they were a Christian and they weren't going to murder you, right? And so secret codes have been around since the first century. But the ichthus, so the ichthus, the ichthus. Um, it's cool to me, you know, old symbols. And so I guess that was another example of like a code. And apparently, it means he's in like BDSM or something. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, and that was probably just like a wardrobe choice they had because Eddie is actually wearing the bandana in later seasons. Season scenes that have been like behind the scene photos have been like revealed and stuff and um that's cool i think of just like if it is intentional if it's not i don't know i don't know i think it's cool though um what was i going so he's just all around like he's a freak he's ostracized by society for no reason and it's you know and then there is that whole scene of him in the cafeteria at first with the boys and he's like um 
people like reading that article and it's like how people play D are into sodomy and all this stuff and devil worship and murder <laughs> and it's just like um not true like that none of the satanic panic was literally they just like would thought people were satanist and then that also happened a little well during this time but like a little earlier um mccarthyism of you know if you got accused of being a communist your career was fucking over and they're saying cancel culture is bad now it has been a thing since the beginning of time if we're being honest right except now you know i'm not saying cancel culture is good it's not but now the stuff people get quote-unquote canceled for are actually bad things, not just uh, being falsely accused or sometimes truthfully accused of being a communist or playing a roleplay game, a fantasy roleplay game, and that means you're a devil worshipper and that you should be sent to jail and that you're going to kill my kids and make them sacrifice blood, pig blood, Satan. That's not true. That's literally bullshit. Um, yeah, it's been around forever, whatever, whatever. Um, history repeats itself in different ways. Um, sorry, my history teacher had a shirt, and it said, don't make me repeat myself, dash history, and then he saw my yearbook, and he said, history matters, or he said, social studies matters, or something. He was a cool teacher. Um, whatever, what am I talking about? D&D, satanic panic. Yeah, and that's literally their satanic, like, I just, I think it was cool. The way it was done, I can't speak intelligently on it because I'm not intelligent. And also, I didn't do in-depth research on it. Maybe if I wrote a script, this would be better. But I knew if I wrote a script for every single subtopic, I would be here for fucking hours. Like, literally. This is at least two hours long at this point. Or almost. It's nearing it. And I'm not even near done with this part. And I knew that by the time I finished writing the script, I would be recording it. And volume two would come out days later. And I would have to do one for that. And it just, no point. Especially since I did I did say I want to do an episode on Top Gun Maverick, which I probably still will do. And then I said First Kill. I don't think I'll do an episode on First Kill. Because I just, no matter what I say, I'm going to get stoned to death. So it's just, it's not worth it. Um, I enjoyed the show. Um, it was shitty soap opera-y vampire- lesbian that's what you need we need bad lesbian shows guys like that is because if you let you let vampire diaries and and legacies and the originals and twilight and teen wolf and all of that stuff run for years they are not good shows you're just they're good no they're the same thing they're dumb plots with mediocre acting and bad cgi Right? That's the, that is why people watch them. And First Kill falls into that perfectly. It's just because of the fact that it is not two white dudes or a straight relationship that people are so against it. You know? Phone's now at 2%. I bet it won't die, though. My alarm went off to tell me to read Lord of the Flies. Um, yeah. That, that's my very off-topic tangent about First Kill. But I think now I've talked about Satanic Panic the most I can... There's probably stuff I forgot to say. Eddie Munson, good character, like him, serves better. He's gonna be the him and Robin are gonna save Nancy in season in volume two with the little guitar. Cool, cool, cool. Let's talk about the multiple storylines. Stranger Things is 
always had multiple storylines. I mean, always. Season one, see if I can remember. There was Joyce in the House of the Lights. Hopper was separate from Joyce for a little bit. Then they were together for a little bit. Um, the boys with Elle, um, completely separate. Um, them trying to like find more Dora. Jonathan and Nancy getting their guns and stuff. Gonna go in the upside down. And they like set up all the traps. And they catch the Demogorgon on fire. And all that. Very separate. Uh... It's always had these storylines, and, like, they're very, they're multiple, but now it was to such a severe degree, they barely overlapped, right? You know, like, like season two, can't remember shit, hold on, season two, we're having a season two, can't tell you, season three, um, we had the Starcourt Mall, like, Scoop's Troop, we had them, we had, uh, the other people, um, <laughs> the other people, uh, we had Joyce and Hop and Murray, um, and then Jonathan and Nancy taking down the Hawkins post. So that's at least four separate storylines going on at the same time, and it never felt exhausting, you know? This season, eh, I don't love it. Um, you know, they have the Hawkins group, which they were still split up at points. Um, they have the Hawkins group, they have the California group, and they have the Russia group. And the Russia group was two separate storylines for a bit. It was uh, uh, Joyce and Murray getting to Russia. And then it's Hopper and Enzo in Russia. And it was just so boring. Oh my god. I, I said the word homophobia in front of my mom when we watched season four. I didn't even realize I'd said that. I did, though. Because I'm insane. I didn't even... Uh, no, Abby, you can't say that in front of your mother. She will kill you. I'm just, so I was thinking about that. Because, like, this guy said, you know, Hope's trying to get him to do something for him in Russia. And he's like, oh, I'm no fairy. And I'm like, oh, homophobia. That's what he means. <laughs> do you know what hard stuff here? But she's like, homophobia. Because <laughs> she was making out with her girlfriend. They interrupted. Um, The only good thing. Heartstopper's good, guys. I will say that. It's just... They have so that show has so much like just privilege. It is tr it got renewed for two and three seasons, which is good, but it's like it's two skinny, attractive white dudes as the main leads, and like and it's a and that's another thing that like like to I guess we could t we used to talk about Robin. We talk talk about first kill using this. It's like straight women, right? Will watch like queer male, um, queer men shows right? Because they think the dudes are hot. And that's wrong, right? But straight guys don't watch queer women shows. And, and straight women don't watch them. Queer men probably don't. It's just queer women, right? And tons of queer women watch Heartstopper, by the way, too. And that's just, like, it's so annoying because it's, like, they can't get the same views because women, when they're not serving men in their media, are not going to get the attention from men or from anyone else. It's just gonna, and like, you don't want that. But sometimes when they, when you want your show to get good views so it can get renewed and keep telling stories and keep getting representation, you need people who are not necessarily a part of the marginalized groups being represented to watch the shows, right? Because they might learn stuff. They might watch an entertaining, you know, they might watch, they might learn some stuff. It might be an entertaining show they would enjoy. And it just, I don't know, it just allows for more representation. And Heartstopper was able to get that, which is good. It's just, to say I'm not jealous 
Yeah, and so many people get mad when it's like, I hate when people condense Heartstopper to just be a show about, you know, an MLM show, multi-level marketing scheme show. That was a bad joke. Um. Okay. You're right, it does have, like, it has trans characters, and it has, like, um, a lesbian side couple, but that's not how the show was not, it wasn't like, um, Generation, where there was no main characters, like, there was, like, no main character, there was main characters, and they were all queer in some way, shape, or form. That, that, that was, that was, um, that, 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 that's not what Heartstopper is. It is about Nick and Charlie. It is not evenly split with Tara and Darcy. You cannot say it is a show like, like they're a side couple, and it is still good representation. I'm not saying it isn't. Tara and Darcy, absolutely amazing. L, she's absolutely amazing, right? Right, and it's good representation in its own regard. It's just not the main, right? But, so when there is a main lesbian couple, a main sapphic couple, they never get the same treatment, and that is annoying. How did I go from talking about multiple storylines to this? don't know can't tell you um off topic tangents brain no work straight but yeah i didn't really love the multiple storylines this season did not love it um i didn't that, like that's like the like it's it like because it just felt exhausting because they were so far apart and the russian storyline was so boring like to me it was boring sorry and and then the stuff in California wasn't the most entertaining because it's, like, not my favorite character. I love Jonathan. And I'm neutral on Will and Mike. I don't hate them. I'm just neutral. Like, they don't do the, the things for me they do for other people. And I, I respect it that other people love them. I appreciate that. Good for them. They're not my favorite characters. They're just there. Like, I'm okay with them. Nothing against them. I, I kind of low-key ship Byler. Like, I would much rather it happen than Mike and Eleven much rather and the more gay people we get the better dude so that's and i think will's gay 100 um and mike would be less annoying if he would stop obsessing over fucking 11 that's another thing i don't like their relationship in that sense of like she puts it's too codependent like it's unhealthy um unhealthy un because like and there's, like, people who are enabling it. They're like, I bet Eleven will get her powers back when Mike says he loves her. No. No. She needs to find that value and that strength in herself. Not in him. In herself. Right? She needs to realize how good and strong and powerful she is without her him having to tell her. She needs to be able to love herself. She cannot rely on the love of some man. Okay? Yeah, I don't know. I just did a weird head shake. Um, if I had to rank the storylines from most entertaining to the least entertaining, I would say the least entertaining is Russia, and then the second least entertaining is the California people, and then the third, the second most entertaining would be Eleven with like her uh, Rainbow Room flashbacks, and then the most entertaining is the Hawkins group. And that's because there's more characters and they're more likable um because you got you got one character literally just 11 and then bad scientist men um and then there's peter but vecna i like that storyline okay and then you got 
the California, which is a new guy who's a stoner, two characters I'm neutral on, and then one character that is just like, I've never seen him by himself in this regard. You know, I'm so used to seeing him with, like, Nancy and, like, he's doing stuff that he's just not doing this season. And, you know, whatever. I, I just, I, it's fine. It's still good, but it's it's just not great. And then Russia, I like Murray and I like Joyce and I like Hopper. It just dragged on for too long. And I like Enzo even. It was just, it was just boring. Like, you know, but like the Hawkins group, you know, I love Lucas. I love Max. I love Steve. I love Eddie. I love Robin. Love Dustin. Love, I already said Max. Um. You know, Erica was there for a bit. Love her. Right? So, like, those are all characters I'm vi- I love. Like, I'm not neutral on a single one of them. They're all great. Right? And then, you know, Nancy's there. Love her. Um, And then Sadie Sink. I think that is, that... is that the next thing I talk about? Is my next... I could just transition to that. Nope. Next thing I talk about is Vecna. Whatever. But, like, Sadie Sink, just, she's such a talented actress. And so is Millie Bobby Brown. Like, they're, I mean, everyone on that show is, like, pretty good actors. But, like, them two, man, future Oscar winners. And you know it. If they, oh, dude, they're really good. I think Sadie Sink should go, keep going into horror like Jenna Ortega is. Um, because, you know, she was in Fear Street. Stranger Things is horror. She was in, like, Eli, which I think is horror. I haven't watched that, though. She was younger than that. Um... Just, I think she could do good. Like, Jenna Ortega was in X, and she's in Scream, and she was in the Babysitter movies. And I just, um, I I think they both could take over the horror genre, you know. I think they could. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. What am I saying? What am I saying? I, I just, I enjoy their acting. They're very good. That, that That's the simplest way to put it, without me just rambling. Um... And so her, but her storyline this season, Sadie's storyline, Max's storyline this season with Vecna, very good. And I could just talk about Vecna. Cool villain, cool villain, very cool villain, actually. I love how, like, every season they would take some, they would take something from D&D and make it the villain. And it's like, people always criticize, like, Demogorgons don't look like that. Demogorgons don't look like that. I just hit the mic so hard. Mind flayers don't look like that. What does a mind flayer look like in D&D? Because a mind flayer is from D&D. What does a mind flayer look like? The Mind Flayer in D&D. What does it look like? A Mind Flayer looks like Cthulhu? Oh. Cthulhu? A Mind Flayer looks like fucking Cthulhu. I think my brother told me that. Of like a Mind Flayer looks like Cthulhu. Because he plays D&D. And that's one thing he said. Of like he didn't like it. But I'm like. But it's more of the powers. Than the um than the actual like appearance right and that, this season shows that uh the best um you know it's like more like the demogorgon's powers and the mind flayer's powers to how this uh monster from the upside down is acting and vecna is a monster that is not from D D. it is something eddie came up with to be the villain the big bad evil guy of his campaign you know and I love, I love that. You know, I always, I always love the thing they would take something from D&D because it's taking something that is fiction and then using it to help them understand the reality. And that is very cool to me. That is what fiction is there for. Uh, sometimes, a lot of ways, that's the point of art. You know, 
I, I went on a whole rant about what escapism is and I would, you know, D&D is their form of escapism. And so when, you know, reality becomes more like fiction, you might as well use fiction to help you understand your reality. You know, like, so I love the fact that I did that. And this thing, it, this villain with Vecna, like, perfectly actually sums up how it doesn't have to do with the appearance. It has to do more with the creature's powers in the sense of they probably don't really know what Vecna looks like. They just have the scriptures that Eddie's given because I'm assuming Eddie, I mean, maybe he has made some very detailed and very beautiful drawings and and figurines but the thing is is the viewers really i don't think they know that so it's just showing like this is what vecna does these are his powers this is how he controls people and kills them yada 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 and that's exactly what the 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 uh, big bad big bad evil guy of season four does and so i do love that and also peter ballard people think he's hot okay cool 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 cool, cool. saying he's an anti-capitalist king though what let's let's google the definition of anti capitalist let's read like anti-capitalism is a political ideology and movement in company encompassing a variety of altitudes and ideas that oppose capitalism in the sense anti-capitalism are those that wish to replace capitalism with another type of economic system like socialism and communism okay why is capitalism unfair Prominent among critiques of capitalism are accusations that capitalism is inherently exploitive, alienating, unstable, unsustainable, and creates massive economic inequality and commodifies people and is an anti is and is anti-democratic and leads to an erosion of human rights and while its incentives imperial imperialist expansion and war. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think. I just want to say, I do not think Peter Ballard is an anti-capitalist. I need everyone who's saying that to go read the Communist Manifesto real quick, and then we can talk and we can explain. But the reason I say that is because nothing he's done is economic. He literally just thought his parents were, like, posers. <laughs> That's such a weird way to put it. But, like, he's, like, my, like, his dad, like, had killed people or something, and, like, he, um, um like, would just pretend he hadn't. They would just pretend that they're, like, shitty, which I guess, like, could be capitalism of, like, you know, maybe how, like, us is kind of, like, a narrative on capitalism of how we make so many people live in poverty in these horrible situations, situations just so we can live comfortably, and maybe he didn't like how his parents were faking that and pretending it's okay that, you know, they allow or enabled so many people to live just horrible, shitty lives while they lived comfortably you know maybe he hated that but i don't i don't think i i mean maybe but the thing is is at first maybe but now no he's killing people who who feel guilty of a sense of guilt right you know um i don't understand how it is anti-capitalist of him to kill and target chrissy cunningham because she suffers from an eating disorder and her mom shames her right I don't understand how that is fair and that is anti-capitalist because I don't think Chrissy having an eating disorder is what enables capitalism so well and allows it to thrive. Like, no. You know, like, you know, capitalism may be what, what caused or helped cause her self-image issues, I guess. But, like, her mother did that to her. And... I don't understand how that makes him an anti-capitalist king. You know, how that one dude underage drinks and his dad would yell at him about it, so he's a target of Vecna. 
you know, how Max is grieving her abusive stepbrother, the death of him, and how her entire family was flipped upside down, and she she just feels like shit and is pushing her friends away because she's overcome with this grief and hatred, right? I don't understand how that's anti-capitalist. It's not, you know... You know, he's maybe he's punishing her for pushing her friends away. But with, with Chrissy and the other dude whose name I cannot remember, they didn't really go into depth, like, of why. Just, like, surface-level things that it's like, well, I mean, maybe. Like, maybe the dude underage, that's bad, but that's not 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 worthy of him getting killed like that. None of it is. And then the, the Fred who, like, killed that person in a car wreck and then drove away. Maybe that one, because he did a bad thing and he feels guilty about it. Like he, he is the only person who has outright done something inherently, like horrible and bad. Like, uh, uh, um, uh, Max's brother died, and she's sad about that. And she's adjusting to her family dynamic being flipped upside down because her step, her stepdad left, which makes finances harder. So they have to move into a trailer park, and her mom has to start working like twenty four seven. You know, whatever. Audio break, because 30-minute time limit, we're at 29 minutes and 50 seconds, so audio cut, boom. Okay, um, we're just talking about Vecna. We're talking about Max, and... See, I don't think you can hear it because I am wearing headphones, but you know that little noise, the little Windows noise your computer makes, your laptop makes? Mine is making that a lot, because I'm trying to charge my phone via laptop and it's trying to upload photos and shit and i don't want you to upload photos and shit i want you to charge my phone okay because it's at one percent it was at four percent we started recording and now it's at one okay and it's a short cable so i can't have it so i can see if someone texted or something because you know my mom is texting me and she's part of the reason actually i had to go get a charger is because she texted me because they're filming a movie where i live and she's freaking out about it and they think it's cool and she actually wants to drive down there so we can see the trailers and stuff and all the actors and it's just like man i get it's cool okay john travolta is in the movie okay you think that's cool i think john travolta is old and ugly I shouldn't say that. I literally have, like, gone on rants before of, like, don't make fun of old people because you're going to be old and ugly one day. That's just, that is capitalist. Not capitalist, per se, but, like, societal standards and, like, it's just hate old people. I literally went on a rant earlier in this episode about that. So, whatever. She thinks it's cool. She literally texted my phone and, like, sent me a screenshot of, like, here's all the actors in the movie. I'm like, oh, Sean Astin's gonna be in the movie or something. Sean Astin's in, um, Stranger Things. Season 2, Bob, Bob Newby gets killed. Um, yeah, whatever, whatever. Let's snap my fingers. Let's keep going. Let's keep talking about Vecna. I'm gonna ignore the noise. It's, like, beeping in my ears constantly, making people feel like I can't think or talk. Um... Because it is charging my phone a little bit. It's going in and out of charging it. Maybe I'll get it up to 5% before this is over. Um, Vecna. Vecna. He's just... I don't think it's anti-capitalist of him because he is targeting people who are already overcome. and Like Chrissy especially. Because body image issues are rooted in capitalism. Like... They're not rooted in capitalism, but that is a root cause of them because um, it gives us standards of how we should look and how we should dress and all this stuff. And her mom is enforcing and inflicting that upon her to where she is bulimic, presumably, 
and um and i feel like him killing her is the opposite of anti-capitalism i feel like it is him enforcing and inflicting that same stereotype upon her i feel like it's him enforcing a capitalist system but maybe maybe it's the other way maybe he's killing her because she's succumbing to the capitalist system i don't think the duffers intended that you know like there 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 there's no fucking and if there is it's poorly done Whatever. Vecna, cool, cool villain, though. The way he kills people shocked me. I did not think they would be that gory. Um, Because there's no blood, too. It's just, like, bones cracking. And it, it, um, that's not the uncanny valley. But, like, of something that was human no longer looking human. And that's just terrifying. Uh, body horror, maybe. Um, bones at 2%. Oh, my God. Bones at 2%. It, it's cool. It's cool. And, um... But the way he tortures them before, bro. And then the music, the music element, uh, which we can use as a transition into Max. I love that because it's kind of like um, music we relate and we, the noise is getting on my, ner- my nerves so much. It's not doing it right now, but it's going to start in like a second. Um, we use music as like, escapism coping we relate it and associate it to people people we love people we used to love good relationships we have friendships uh, romantic our family greet all of it like for me at least and i know a lot of people like music is that outlet you know and so i think your favorite song being the thing that can get you out of that is like so important because i mean you see it with max like her favorite song is running up the hill so when it starts playing when she's getting vecnud um She's getting when she's getting vaccinated, she starts having like flashes of just the people she loves, of like of Max and of Max, of L and Mike and Lucas and Dustin and Steve and all these of just like memories she has from previous seasons and 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 she's reminded of like how much she loves them and how much they love her. And it's able to like you know, it's sappy, but it gives her the strength to escape. It opens that portal in it and it and it and it and it, and it um she's able to like get free of Vecna's grasp and run away, right? And that, that's very important to me. Like, that's very important. I feel just, like, of showing, like, that is the impact music has of it is literally getting people out of, um, um, death. (laughs) Like, pulling people and dragging them out of deadly situations because she, like, associates these, these songs, this song with, like, her family and her friends and the struggle she's been through. So it's able to, like, give her the strength to carry on my wayward son. Carry on my wayward I need to stop being annoying. That was such a weird drink of water I had. Um, yeah. And then Sadie Singh's performance this season. I already said it. It's outsold everybody besides maybe Millie Bobby Brown. Off topic. It is Pride Month. Stop saying Millie Bobby Brown is homophobic. One joke. Like one video. It wasn't even a joke. From when she was fucking 13, maybe, accidentally saying a slur, and, like, I, she didn't realize. Does not mean she wants to run gay people over with her car. Okay? Okay? Like, dude, how old was she when that video came out? Like, Millie... Let me go to YouTube. Like, just stop saying... Because, like, it's so annoying, and it's just, like, it... The way she's been treated is wrong. I mean, like, dude, 
because and that's like one thing she said of like they would have like um um sorry i was like reading my youtube notifications of how they um Sorry, I keep getting distracted very easily by my YouTube stuff. Um, Millie Bobby Brown saying slurs. Um, Millie Bobby Brown. Okay, whatever. Whatever, whatever. I I found the video. I don't remember how old it was, but, like, her hair was short. It was, like, post-season one. Like, literally post-season one. So she was 12. Like, the, the odds of her not knowing what that word meant, incredibly high. And she just made a ship name between Dustin and Mike, right? Just, like, putting their names together. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Like, it was a very innocent thing, and then it just turned into, like, this mess. And, like, she doesn't talk in interviews now, because in interviews, she would, they would get so excited, right? All of these kids, they were 12 years old. They were getting so excited and talking so much, right? And they would, she would talk over the interviewers, they would talk over her, they would talk over, she would talk over the other kids, they would, and they were just talking so much, and she got bullied for that. That's, like, kind of messed up, because, like, she's literally 12, and she's excited, Cause she's on an interview. She's on like a, she's on like Jimmy Fallon. Like that's a big deal. Right. Dropped a coin, dropped my ring. Sorry. That's not a coin. And it, it, it's just wrong because she was a child and she's still kind of, she's 18. Like she's still fairly young. And so it is uh, wrong. It's literally like messed with her like persona, like so much. And from, like, such a young age, you have to endure that. And that people are still, like, enabling it to this day. It's like, if you don't like Millie Bobby Brown, if you don't, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't stand her. I don't follow her on Instagram. Like, I don't really follow any of them on Instagram besides City Sync. Maybe Kayla McLaughlin. And Maya Hawk, I think I follow. But, like, that's it, dude. Because I just, I don't use social media a whole lot. Not Instagram. It's not downloaded on my phone anymore. I deleted it and I won't be re-downloading it anytime soon. Um, it's just like, I'm on Instagram right now for no reason. I just got clicked on it, but whatever. Like it's, um, it's wrong is all I'm saying. I feel like I don't even, uh, yeah. It's just, here's the thing. If you don't like her, that's fine. But if you're gonna harass her and bully her to that extent, especially when she was she was so young and is still pretty young, it's just not because she hasn't done anything wrong. Like there's like you know, it's just it's also not even funny anymore. The joke about Millie Bobby Brown hating Pride Month and running over gay people has been around for like four years. It's not funny anymore. Okay, it's just harassment. You know, whatever. Especially when she hasn't really done anything homophobic. Like, I think of all the Stranger Things cast, the only one who's done anything close to being homophobic is Noah Schnapp. And that is saying Will's sexuality is up for interpretation because that's just bad. It's 
false uh portraying false and harmful narratives uh, surrounding uh, queer people and that's wrong so yeah anyway and it's like she said that innocently when Winona and like it, it gives me the sense of if someone were to try to cancel Winona Ryder for saying the F slur in the first episode of Stranger Things when it was scripted, right? And like, and she doesn't even say it like maliciously. She's like whispering it, and she's like saying what her husband call her ex husband calls uh, Will. Like, I it, it gives that like imagine trying to like you wouldn't like you know, yeah. I hope I made sense there. Um. Whatever, we're talking about Max now. Favorite character, truly. You know, and I just, I love Sadie Sink. You know, she was so good in Fear Street. Um, so good. And it was such a good movie. And I loved it. And I rewatched the first 20 minutes of Stranger Things, the first one today. And then I decided I don't have the energy to watch this movie. And so I just didn't. And, um, I went and I rewatched the audition tape that uh olivia scott welch and keanu mandera did for sam and dina and it's that first scene they have uh, in like fucking the hallway like the dark the at the football at the stadium and it is a great scene um but that audition tape is just so much better than whatever they put in the movie like i don't know why they changed it because it, it just provides you so much more insight and it's so much more emotional and it provides you so much more insight on sam and on dina and how their relationship ended and 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 it because so many people dislike sam and i feel like if you would have just included that and it would have showed like so much more about her and made you understand her more and like it it it, it, it um good it, it, it good scene i can't speak intelligently sometimes because i just start like rambling and like my brain does not stay on one path but i feel like it allowed to see more depth in her character to make her make her more relatable and likable and understandable and people they didn't do that and i it was a disservice i think and then also it's just it was really well acted of like and her being like she says something like i didn't leave i didn't bail or something and it's just the way she says that i'm gonna find it is so good like i'm unplugging my phone it's at seven percent um it is it's so good and it's just um this is very off topic but sadie sink and emily rudd are play like the perfect siblings in that movie too and i i just i love sadie sink guys and her acting and her it's so good so this is the audition tape i'm playing it on my it won't let me I was Listen to this. in Sunnyvale. This part. I think it's this part. I didn't bail. You pushed me away. And now you regret it. And you can't own up to that. So you're making me mixtapes. This is funny. Okay, back then. No, I want it. Right? That, that whole line. That whole thing. That literally. People would not be Sam aunties. They'd be Dina aunties. And there are already some people already are, right? And I'm not saying I want them to be Dina aunties. I'm just saying they should have included that, okay? They should have. Oh, my God, they should have. Anyways, love those movies. Love those movies. Love them. Need to rewatch them. They're so good. Fucking love those movies. Anyways, we're talking about Sadie Sink. 
I feel like I've said everything I can say. And we can just transition in talking about Lucas and Max. Because Lucas and Max... Best Stranger Things ship. That is canon, at least. I still think even if... um, Like, I was including, like... Like, canon ships, it would still be the same. Um... Actually, we're going to backpedal a little bit. I'm going to rewind. Talk a little bit more about Running Up That Hill. Of how that song... Stranger Things does that, I feel like, with every season, though. I mean, the first season, it was probably Should I Stay or Should I Go? Like, took over the world. Season three was Material Girl. I think there was one other song. And this one, there's... The, the, it's mainly Running Up That Hill, but also uh, Pass the Duchy Upon the Left-Hand Side. Um... That song. And what was season two? And season three, I swear to God, had another. I'm gonna Google <laughs> the Stranger Things season three soundtrack. Um. Speaking of good soundtrack, Fear Street is a good soundtrack. Stranger Things season three soundtrack. We have Material Girl, obviously. Wake me up before you go. Go no, that wasn't it. Never ending story. Never. Hold on, I'll get it. Never ending story. Great. They put. They released it. Never ending story was big last season. Um, this season is just running up our hill and past the GG. What was season two? There had to have been one. Stranger Things season. To soundtrack. Um, I know they had uh, they played Islands in the Stream. They had Monster Mash, yeah, that season. They had to have had one. But also, I wasn't like a like in the fandom, I guess, during that time, so it wouldn't have. They'd run away by Anchovy. Maybe that was it. Um, they had every breath you take. That must have been it. Because that plays at the end by the police. Um, yeah. It's so, like music always crucial in the show. Um, always has been. And it always... It just has like... It, it, good, good, good music, good music. I can't speak clearly. And so, like, Running Up That Hill has had that impact. And, like, the show was, like, kind of like a the show. The song was, like, kind of a flop when it came out. And I've, like, seen memes of, like, Mar- the Marty McFly thing. And he's like, oh, you guys didn't like that? Don't worry. Your kids will love it. Like, referring to that song. And um, it is it is true. Um, it is over. It, it overtook as it was on the Billboard charts. I saw that. I wonder. Let me look up the current Billboard Top 100 right now. Current Billboard. Billboard. Um can't type top i cannot type oh my god turn on the little light thingy so i can see my keyboard billboard top 100 what is the current billboard top 100 let me click it billboard hot 100 oh never mind okay well it's a little different but it was she was number one for a little bit, and now it's as it was. First class by Jack Harlow, "Wait for You," which I've never heard, and then "Running Up That Hill," a deal with God, Kate Bush, which is on the rise, and "About Damn Time" by Lizzo, and "He Weighs Like Glass Animals" is falling. Um, and then there's literally I've only heard a couple of these songs. That's why I love streaming. 
like I'll never have to listen to these. You know, Boyfriend by Dove Cameron is at 17. See, that's the thing. Like, it's not really changing. Like, like, dude, like, I feel like there's, like, so many popular songs right now. And and my music taste is, like, different, but... Or maybe someone was looking at something that was not the Billboard Hot 100, but, like, Kate Bush was number one. Um, what's the most streamed song on Spotify right now? That would be a better, because people will be streaming it on Spotify, like, currently. Are you, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Shape of You by Ed Sheeran is the most streamed song on Spotify with over 3.1 billion streams. Um, did, does Spotify have, like, a top 100? I don't know. I just saw something, it was on Twitter, of She Overtook As It Was on some form of something and i'd never i don't think i'd ever heard of kate bush i don't think but like i don't i'm not music i listen to what i listen to and that's about it so yeah i don't know but i should move on to whatever topic i have next lumax that's right we're talking about lumax um but like running up the hill good song good song really loved it i love the impact it's had it's it it was perfect for that scene and it, it would it, um i would it's i'm okay with hearing that song like 57,000 times in the show like as many times they played it season 4 i'm like i'm okay with that um and i just like i love the idea of like all of their favorite artists now is probably like running up that hill by like their favorite song is running up the hill by Kate Bush and that song was a flop in 1985 so you know now we're talking about Lumax Lucas and Max love Lucas and Max like like i said that already like they're probably the best ship you know, if we if we take canonicity in or, you know, hate that word, I already said it, but like if we take canonicity in or out of the equation, they are still the best ship, in my opinion. I love them. Lucas and Max, like and like season three, I didn't like I think they were I was hmm, okay, I think season two, I was okay with them. Like I uh, there wasn't another strong opinion. Either way, season three the breakup stuff, it was annoying, but I think it was annoying because I was younger and I was, I saw that around me more and was like, I'm not like that, which I wasn't, but I was just like, I was repulsed, I guess, by the idea, but now that I'm older, I don't care. Um, and then, hold on, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, this season, their best season, they're not even together, not really, like, they're, like, slowly, like, uh, uh, amending the, is it the word I'm looking for? Mending their relationship um, this season and together. Because they, they broke up, like, in between season three and four, which I remember people were freaking out about when, like, when they announced that in the synopsis of, like, his ex, Max. And they're like, oh, my God. Um, and... What was I saying? In this season of, like, when she wrote all those letters to everyone, which I wish we could read. I just, I want to know what she said. Because, like, she wrote one to Steve, and I'm very interested in what she said to Steve. Because that's not the first relationship that would come to your mind. But, yeah, of course he's impacted her. Of course he's, like, had some impact. Like, yeah. Yeah, obviously. And I would just, I would, I would, I would, I want to know. Because, like, obviously she wrote something to Lucas, and she probably wrote something to Dustin. And, you know, because they were friends. And, and then she wrote one to Billy, and that was, like, the, that was the letter we got to read. And... It was good. It was so good. Um, 
And the scene of the thing where he's like, I don't need a letter. I'm right here. You can tell me. But then she, like, can't bring herself to. It's just so good. Because, like, they gave angst this season. And I loved it, dude. I, and like, dude, I fucking love them. Like, it's so good. You know, the only ship that has come close is seasons one through three, Jonathan and Nancy. And I'll talk about Jonathan and Nancy and, like, Steve and Nancy soon, because you can't not with what's going on. Um, dude. Dude, 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 Lucas and Max. I, I say dude, and I, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say, and I can't, because my brain just goes blank sometimes, and I, like, zone out and, like, stare at, like, the drag files here from your computer from or from tools on the left. Like, I, I use that. Like, I just, like, stare at, like, the save episode button on Anchor. Like, um, I enjoy it. Like, because they, no ship has delivered like this. For me, at least, you know, I have to say that because, you know, the Mike and Eleven fans. I guess we can talk about why I don't like Mike and Eleven. Seasons one and two, they were cool, and I liked them when I first watched the show. But by the time season three came out, I think I had matured past that. Maybe I hadn't. Had I? I don't think I had. Had I? I can't remember. Because, hold on. This is weird. I'm trying to remember when I started reading fanfiction. Was this, I can't remember if it was pre-season three or post-season three. Might have been. It was pre-season three. Had to have been. I think it was. Because I rem- I think the first fanfiction I ever read was a Mike and Eleven fanfiction on Wattpad. Why, though? Can't tell you. What did it consist of? Can't tell you. I. It was. It was bad. Um, I can't remember if I liked them during season three or not, but I think past that, like, no. Because, and it's that thing of they're just, like, insanely codependent, and, like, and, like, she, for some reason, places her value in him, and that's not okay. You know, and it's also, they're also just, like, they got together when they were 12, bro. They were in seventh grade. Well, no. I know people in my real life, my everyday life, who met in seventh grade and are still together in their like in their twenties. Some are married now, like in their thirties. My mic is falling. Oh no. Like there's there's this one couple I know and they're like married and they have like a whole kid now and they met when they were fifteen. Um Yeah. And another but also like it's also but they were in I think seventh grade. When they met, and so they're only in ninth grade now, so it hasn't even been that long. Like, dude, we could talk about that giant continuity error though of like Eleven's just going to school in ninth grade, like it's nothing. Like she's failing in some of her classes and misunderstanding assignments and stuff. But like, in the first season, she didn't know what the word friend meant. Okay, so you're going to sit here and tell me that they were able to get someone who did not know what the word friend meant into a public education where she can start taking like algebra one, you know, she's going to learn fucking algebra. No, I don't. Maybe she's really good at math. 
It's just, it's a continuity error, because if she didn't know what the word friend meant, there's so much else she didn't know. And also, how, how in the first, in, in the flashback, she's talking very normally, and there isn't grammatical errors, and her speech isn't choppy, like, she just learned English, you know? She just, like, she's, like, five years old. How is that happening in the first season, but in the flashbacks, it's fine. She's not perfectly okay. But, like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a side effect of the, maybe, maybe. But I don't think so. Because if she... And they're like, yeah, she repressed those memories. But repressing memories and getting amnesia does not take away your vocabulary and grammatical understanding. And your ability to, like, do math and stuff. Because those are, like, core skills in our brain or something. I don't know. You don't forget how to do stuff. You just forget um, events and people. You know? I had to move my microphone. I keep It's still falling. It, it doesn't make sense, and I don't like their relationship. That's plain and simple. I don't. Um, it's annoying, and I don't enjoy it. And I, it's not healthy, too. Which, they're young, so. But if you enjoy it, that's fine. Just don't come for me, and I won't come for you. That's okay. Different opinions are okay. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm so neutral in Mike sometimes. It's because I just can't. I want to his face in. I want to bop his face in. Um, and that's also another thing is like Ellen Max is a ship. It's a fairly popular. It was acknowledged by the writers and by Sadie Sink, and like they did one of those videos of like on like there's like the TikTok thing where it's like put popcorn on one side and chocolate on the other, and you walk to whichever side you want. Except they did it like Stranger Things themed, and it was uh Sadie Sink and Kayla McLaughlin, and uh. Um, it was Lumax and Elmax, and they both went to Lumax, and then Sadie Sink runs in the background to Elmax, and it's just like, she wants to play a girl kisser. She wants to really bad. Fear Street was the closest she got. She talked about the representation of that movie, and how she thought it was very important, and she had been watching movies like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like queer period pieces, and it's like, okay. And then she said if she could play any other character in Stranger Things, she would play Robin. And just, just let her, okay? And she ships Ellen Max. Like, someone needs to cast her in one quick or she will combust. Um, that's it. I think we're done with talking about Lucas and Max. And I think we're going to talk about Jonathan and Nancy and Steve and Nancy because you can't not with the way the current season is going. And I'll talk about what side I'm on and what I hate and um, how I think it's just a repeat of what they've done before but reverse. Like, it's a repeat of what they've done before, except Jonathan and Nancy are already an established relationship. And then I'll do my final thoughts on the season, say whatever else I want to say, my quick little theories for Volume 2 if I have any, and then we'll be done with the episode. It's almost 2 p.m. Like, I'm scared to see the runtime on this. Like, genuinely scared. And another reason I'm giving this thing is because instead of just doing the audio break now, I want it to be the exact same timestamp. So that's why I'm talking for, like, no reason. So audio break. I say audio break, even though you can't tell, but it, like, it, it provides, like, a smoother transition instead of just a cut, and then I, like, continue my sentence. I don't know. To me, at least. Whatever. I, okay, so let's go over, what, what's review? What I've talked about. I've talked about new characters, Titanic Panda, multiple storylines, Vecna, Max, Sadie Sink, running up that hill, Lumax, and now we're talking about Jancy Stancy. I don't know. Um, <sighs> Steve and Nancy have never been a good relationship. Like, not really because in the first season he's a dick to her and they're just not good he's a dick and 
Um, yeah, I can't really elaborate more. He's a dick. And he... Yeah, and then and then and then in season two, she's she's not in love with him because they were pretty much broken up during season one, and during that time, she just like fell in love with Jonathan, but she hadn't realized that. Jonathan hadn't realized that. They actually actively denied it, um, and she doesn't love Steve. She's in a relationship with him, but she doesn't love him. She probably doesn't realize that, you know, and it's Steve who's like, you don't love me, and she's like, shit, man. Um, uh, there's, like, people saying that she has a hard time expressing her emotions, and, like, so does Mike. That's why he can't say he doesn't love Eleven, right? Um, what am I googling? What am I googling? What am I googling? What am I googling? What am I doing? Um, and so, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I just like forgot what I was saying. And they're like saying she's like a hard time expressing her emotions, but it's like, well, she told Jonathan she loved him. So it just might have had to deal with the fact she didn't love the person she was in a relationship with, you know, and then I'm actually going to talk about that line Jonathan and Nancy have that I always forget is like from Stranger Things. Like, I always think it's from some like old romance movie from the 60s, you know, I'm going to listen to it and then I'll say it. So yeah, um, so she's in the police station, I think it's right after, Nancy's in the police station with Jonathan, I think it's right after Jonathan and Steve got in that fight in the alley, and the the woman, I can't remember her name, but she she's like a, an assistant or a, 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 a secretary or something at the police station, and she is talking to Nancy and she says, do you and your boy, do you and your boyfriend have any big plans? And Nancy's like, he's not my boyfriend. And she's like, you ought to tell him that only love makes you that crazy. And that damn stupid, that, that line is so good. And it is so, it is so good, dude. And I always forget it's from Stranger Things and it's about Jonathan and Nancy. And then one thing Jonathan and Nancy will always have over Steve and Nancy people and like some people want to argue against this you're wrong they say they have no chemistry you cannot say they have no chemistry when Natalia Dyer and Charlie Heaton are dating in real life and you've seen their paparazzi photos if you have not seen their paparazzi photos google them they will make you want to jump off a bridge you cannot say that that couple has no chemistry compared to Steve and Nancy when that exists that is real okay they're not even acting, dude. They're not even acting. And it's just, it's so good. Like, and season four, like, they're struggling. It's just because they haven't talked to each other. And they've been separated. And they haven't opened up about how they're feeling. And, like, Jonathan doesn't want the same thing she wants. Or he can't get them or something. And he knows that if he tells her that, she will drop everything that she is capable of to be with him. And then he doesn't want that. And it's just, I've seen this before. I've seen this trope before in media in some way, shape, or form. And you can't overcome that. You know? If they just talk about it. And I think the thing is, is the instant and the moment she sees Jonathan, I don't think she's, she's gonna, she's in love with him still. I don't think she's not. She's gonna forget everything she's felt about Steve and like how it was a, a flame that never should have been snuffed out. You know, she's gonna forget all of that. 
because she's done this before. She was with Steve and she didn't love him. She loved Jonathan. It was that emotional cheating, right? Um, but now it's like, well, maybe she's emotionally cheating on Jonathan with Steve. Maybe, right? Sure. But I don't think she loves Steve. I think he's going to have that same realization of Gen. And this one, it's going to suck more. And I hope that it, he has been looking for a relationship so much and he has failed on so many occasions, right? And he's going to think, well, maybe I failed because Nancy's the one meant for me. No. And I think he's going to have to hit that realization. Some people are saying, you know, Steve, you're having such a hard time dating women. You should just try dating men. And I think he should too. But realistically, that won't happen with the writers. I mean, the audience is already saying Robin is already pretty radical for the 80s. Gay people didn't exist in the 80s, guys. They're saying that's radical. It's not. But, you know, they're saying adding Will maybe too would be too much. So the idea of Will and Steve and Robin and possibly Eddie too. Oh my god. Dude, and Mike. Oh my god. You know? And then Max and L. Oh my god. It's too much, you know? I just, I just, I, and there, there is a bias in that argument in the sense of I do prefer Jonathan and Nancy over Steve and Nancy. But the thing is, the Steve and Nancy ship had sailed, dude. They broke up in season two, and she is in love with Jonathan, dude. You know? Right? It it, it it was over. We got over that plot line. Why are you bringing it back? Why are you dragging it out, Duffer Brothers? Stop. And, like, that scene, that scene, dude, of, um, the scene of, uh, Jonathan and Nancy when they're about to leave for California if she comes up behind him and, like, hugs him and then they, like, kiss in the room. Dude. Dude. Bro, like, Steve and Nancy could never do that. It's just, I love them so much. And there is a bias in my, I already said that. There is a bias in my, in my thought process and my statement. But no, I, Jonathan and Nancy better than Steve and Nancy. I, that is my, for one, that is my belief. But two, I think it is what is going to happen. I might be a complete clown and that will not happen. And I sincerely apologize. We will find out in 17 days if I'm right. I might not be. I might lose so bad, okay? But I might not. I might win. Right? Just only love makes you that stupid. That damn stupid. <sighs> love makes you that crazy, me heart. And that damn stupid. Because they're so oblivious, man. And that's another thing that's so good. But then again, like, if... If Steve and Nancy happen, you know... I think it would be funny if, like, Robin was in love with Nancy. Because I already mentioned this. Of, like, her falling in love with someone who's, like, in love with him again. Um... It, it, yeah. Um... Yeah. I'm getting distracted. But, like, that would suck for Robin, actually, severely. Another thing that's kind of funny to me is, like, the idea of, like, Stephen Stephen Robin said they should combine of, like, he goes on a lot of dates, but 
and he asks a lot of girls on dates, but he can't find the one, like, meant for him. And then Robin has found the girl of her dreams, which he can't ask her on a date. They should, like, combine, right? I I hope, you know, when they said that, they did not anticipate falling in love with the same girl again. Um, But it, it happened, right? And Steve, I don't think he's gotten over Nancy fully, but she moved on from him. Like, that was clear. Why are we bringing it back? Like, I don't understand why, though. Okay? Because they're like, well, we were gonna give him a love interest. And see- Steve doesn't need a love interest. He needs to learn how to be content while single. He just got out of high school. He should not be focusing all of his energy on getting a girlfriend. He should focus on um, g- getting a job. He has a job. But, like, he should... There are bigger things than that, man. Like... I don't know, man. I don't know. He should focus on beating Vecna, not getting a girlfriend. You know, and Steve and Eddie, I see the vision. Like, I... And there, there isn't a whole lot there. Like, Steve looks at Eddie in a really gay way. But that's another thing, is, like, Eddie and Robin are both, like... Like, Steve and Nancy, like, ship captains, which I don't like that. But, like, that's both what they're, 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 they're doing. And, um, it just seems as if they could not be doing that. <laughs> no, but, like, it, it's funny, because, like, they're both doing that, and, like, they, canonically, at least, it seems like both of those characters want Steve and Nancy to get together. When the fandom is like, no, we need Nancy and Robin to get together, and Steve and Eddie. Um, let me go on AO3. No, is AO3 back up? But the reason I'm going on AO3 is because I need to do research. Is AO3 back up? I think it's back up. I think they're back up. I think they are back up. So we're going to search Steady. They have a whole ship name. Steady. They have 555 works on AO3. Let me ask Siri something. Hey Siri, how many days since May 27th? I think it's like 18. It's been 18 days, right? In 18 days, people have wrote 555 fan fictions about Stephen Eddy. Right? <clears throat> dude, dude, dude. How many fics are, like, platonic fics of Robin and Steve? 892. I want to click on Nancy Wheeler. I want to see something. Um, Nancy Wheeler. Um, Nancy Wheeler, Nancy Wheeler, Nancy Wheeler. Nancy Wheeler, Nancy Wheeler. Come on. Um, I'm trying to, without having to search it. But it won't. I guess I'll just type in Jancy. There are 2,195 fix under the Jonathan Byer slash Nancy Wheeler ship. Yeah. And then, and some of them, it, it's probably a background. And then I want to see how many under Steve and Nancy. There are 920 under Steve and Nancy. Well, that just shows something. And then Ronance. I love the fact their ship name is Ronance because you don't understand how pretty of a ship name that is. Rodents, dude. They have 469. Um, because like it's almost romance. And it's like so cute, dude. Rodents. Rodents. I love it. Um, anyways, I wanna 
I want to. I'm just curious, like, see how many fixes are like for like certain ships. Sam and Dino from Stranger Things. From Stranger Things. From Fear Street, only have 315. I. That's probably a little off. Um. Sarah Fear and Hannah Miller, because people obviously have 53, because people are gonna write fix about. Um, mm, mm, okay, that's still bad, but, um, Ziggy and Nick only have 99. Okay. Um, that's cool. That's cool, I guess. Cindy Berman has 183 fics about her. Um, uh, Alice and Cindy are such a good ship. I love them. They have 75 works. But also, Fear Street is significantly less popular than um, Stranger Things. It's just because I was talking about them and I was like, oh, go back to AO3. I need to see something. This is very off topic. I need to see something. How many ships is, how many fixes Byler have? Byler uh, has 2,477. Oh my god. Um, Lumac. How many does Lumix have? Maxine, Mary Fee. 1,812. I feel like that's gone up recently. Because of, like, I feel like before they, like, definitely, um, had some before. Especially during season two, but, like, season three, nah. But this season, definitely. Um, what's another ship? Malevin. We gotta, we gotta compare Malevin to, uh, Byler. I think I clicked the wrong... Punish fucking what is revenge these are minors ew that's um Angela and eleven dude Okay it says eleven Jane Hopper and Mike Wheeler but I clicked the wrong one I clicked the platonic one not the romantic one yeah they have four thousand and one okay um that makes sense <laughs> I wonder how many Steve Harrington slash original character had. 403. Yep, because people want to fuck Joe Carey. Like, people sipping for, um, Kurt from Spree is just... He, 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 his hair is so greasy, dude. Um, I don't know. He's not attractive to me. I mean, not Joe Carey. Joe Carey, don't care. He's fine. Yeah, and same with Steve. But Kurt, no. Ick, no. Um... Yeah, that's my opinion on Jonathan and Nancy, Steve and Nancy. Um, I just I just wanted to see what they're doing on AO3. Um, I like seeing, like, the number of fixed ships have. Like, there was a... Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm a little, a little tired. I've just been talking for so long. Like, I, I put all the parts together, excluding the last... Exclu- excluding this and other thing. It was at... Um, a hundred, a hundred, an hour and thirty-eight minutes, and so if I add the other thirty minutes, it's probably at two hours and roughly eight minutes, and then this is sixteen minutes, so we're like at least at two and a half hours probably. So that's like really long. So I should, I need to wrap this up, but I feel like there's so much I didn't say, right? I, I, I um didn't say clearly or concisely, which is concisely. That is not a word. I made that up. Concise. I'm thinking of precise. What is conc- concise definition? Oh. Okay, concise is a word. Giving a lot of information clearly and in a few words, brief but comprehensive. That's exactly what I was trying to do. Be concise. Yeah. Um, and my phone, my phone is going off. 
Tell me it's two o'clock. I feel like I did fail doing that, and that's okay. It's okay to fail sometimes, guys. It's okay to fail. I just spent uh, more than two hours clearly doing this because I would wait for the audio to process on every single one and to make sure it had recorded before I started doing the next one. Um, yeah, this is this has been fun. I enjoyed Volume 1. It kind of reignited that love for Stranger Things that had always been there because I watched... I think I figured it out yesterday. I watched season... Um, I watched seasons one and two like a year and a half before season three came out. So I was like, I think it was 2017, 2018 when I watched it. Um, yeah, after around the time I watched it for the first time, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I rewatched it a bunch. Very good show. I watched it while I had the flu because I got the flu and I was sick. Very good show. Um, and it, it that love dulled a bit, but not a lot. And then season three came out. I was like, I was like, this, this is my favorite show. And then season three came out, and I was like, love this show, love it, man. I love season three. I need to rewatch season three. Um, because I feel like part of the nostalgia for that time, because I was like the last summer before the pandemic, uh, makes it seem better than it might have actually been. And the, like the jokes about new Coke and Alexi and the slushies and the music and shit. Um, volume four is uh, dark depressing the darkest season i feel like they've said that which i feel like it's always been dark like the first season was pretty dark and then it got lighter in tone maybe like season three i felt was i felt was the brightest season even though it's still mostly filmed in the dark um like i never when i think of stranger things i never think i always think of like dark room bright light in the room though but like colorful lights which is probably because like the strand of light scene from the first season or the red room from the first season or something and this season actually doesn't really have that it's maybe darkest material but they haven't the upside down is like the darkest room they've been in because they're in like the film room which is decently lit they're in the rainbow room which is very bright they're in um hawkins outside in broad daylight you know or they're in California in broad daylight. I don't know. Pretty good show. I would say. They're saying a character would die this season. I don't know who. If it's Robin, it's homophobic. If it's Eddie, don't do that. If it's Nancy, I would kill someone. If it's Jonathan, he hasn't worked up the development this season be killed if it's lucas or max i will commit mass murder dustin doesn't deserve that mike would it make sense will would it make sense 11 and steve are like the ones people are going for or like hopper or joyce i genuinely don't know i think i'll be mad either way i i think steve is beat the death allegations pretty well thus far um i think so at least I hope so. They said something about him being in season 5. And 11 just wouldn't make sense because I don't know how they're supposed to do a season 5 without her. Like, it literally, they would lose. They cannot be her. I'm sorry. They can't. Um, But we'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm excited for volume 2. I'm excited for season 5. Season 5 is going to be a gut punch. I hope season 5 is 10 episodes. I said it. And I hope every episode is, like, a fucking 90 minutes at least. Because I, I, I have discovered I do actually really enjoy the long episodes. Um, I'm, 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 there's no in between for me. It's, you either have to be 40 episodes, but they're 10 minutes a piece, or you have to have like five episodes, but they're three hours long. 
Like, I can't do eight episodes, 40 minutes. I hate it. Wild Season 2, hated that. You know, that runtime was poop. It was bad. That second season was pretty bad. It hasn't been renewed for a third season, though. Um, want that to happen, but at this rate, hopes are low. Hopes are really low, especially since the first season got renewed for a second, like, three days later. Yeah. Because I think I watched the show... Not three days later. It was, like, nine days later. Because I think the show came out, like, Friday. I started watching it Sunday, and I finished it, like, Monday or Tuesday. Um, And I rewatched it. And then a Christmas break. I think I got out for Christmas break. Not, like, it was literally, like, December 19th they renewed it. And it came out, like, December 10th, I think is what the deal was. Because it was, I was out for Christmas break. I, like, just got out for Christmas break. And it was right before I got COVID. Um, So, yeah. Good show. Good soup. Stranger Things, I love it. Um, I will do more episodes soon. They're going to be less scripted. I'm going to have points and lines, though, and, like, specific statements I've made about the show to hit. So it will be a little more organized than this, but not a lot. Uh, we're gonna, probably going to do Top Gun Maverick. Um, maybe First Kill. Uh, I don't know about First Kill. Um, uh, I'm playing The Quarry right now, and I'm fucking loving it. I'm almost done. I'm on chapter... I just finished chapter seven so i'm on chapter eight and there's only 10 chapters um i'm excited i'm nervous i'm gonna get someone killed i haven't gotten anyone killed yet like spoilers for the quarry i have gotten no one killed um i got laura got bit by a werewolf which is bad and nick is a werewolf but i think with laura getting bit i feel like i could have done something to prevent that if I had made different decisions to where she was working with uh, Travis or if uh, something, I could have done something different in the, the prison. Um, but I didn't. And I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I'm, I am excited to replay the game though. Um, and Nick's a werewolf. I, that was out of my control. I think that's entirely out of your control. I think cause he got attacked and I couldn't do anything. Like, nothing but to, to save him, from what I remember. Because you're playing as Abby when it happens. And you're just, like, trying to run away. Um, favorite character, Dylan. I think it's Dylan, for me. He's funny. He's gay. And he's um, actually entertaining. And he, he has more to him than just, oh, funny guy. No, there's more. And, like, I like Caitlyn. And Ryan is cool. And um, uh, the other three, they're all right. Uh, other three excluding nick he's he's a werewolf and it might and i hate his accent like i have never like i'm okay with australian accents usually but for some reason this one's an ick like especially when he was like rubbing up all on abby because like his werewolf animal urges were coming over and he was like horny like mm -mm. Mm -mm. the way his voice sounded was so gross dude i hated it um spoilers for the quarry are now over that was a good that's a really good game i'm gonna beat it soon um, cause it, today's Tuesday. It's been out for, it came out Friday. I bought it Saturday. Um, I've had it for about three, four days. It's been out for about five. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. It's been out for about five. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm gonna, and I, I played Until Dawn. I've seen playthroughs of Until Dawn, like, many occasions. Love Until Dawn. Um, yeah, same people. Uh, Man of Badan. 
haven't played. Heard it sucked. But maybe it didn't. You know, I haven't I haven't played that one. I've only seen like a little bit of playthrough and they're like on a boat. <laughs> That's all I've seen. Like I think I saw the like the 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 the, uh, the demo and that was like kind of it. Um yeah. And then I'm still playing Spider Man Miles Morales and I might do something on that game. I don't know. I don't know what I would say though. Like I haven't got any deep thoughts of just I love this game. That's it. I can't speak intelligently on superheroes. Um and then I got God of War. I might do a video on Red Dead Redemption. Because that was a game I beat back in January. So it's been like six months. But it destroyed me. <laughs> it fucking hor- ruined my life entirely, actually. I might do um something on that. And then I might just do an episode where I just talk. But I don't think those would work out well. We're still, I'm still figuring this out. And um, literally my mic was not working yesterday. So like it's very low budget. Um... Yeah. So, this is a very long outro, but I enjoyed the new season of Stranger Things. I am excited to see the next part. I hope you watched it, enjoyed that. I have plans for more videos in the future that hopefully will not take as long as this one. And, um, there will be a video on Volume 2 when Volume 2 comes out. Um, and then, other other shit. I'm, I might do a video on The Walking Dead. I'm gonna go see the Walking, the, the Walking Dead sets soon. Hopefully. Um, if I get a response. We will see them soon, and it will be fun. And, um, yeah. What else? Like, and then maybe, sorry, maybe I could do, like, reviews on movies I've watched. Like, I watched Midsummer recently, and I watched, uh, Midsummer. I watched that, and then I watched, uh, Whiplash. And I watched Spree, but I'm not doing a review on Spree. Spree was fun, but, like, not enough to review it. Um, and then, like, I need to watch all the Jurassic Park movies, because someone is like, we should go see Jurassic World Dominion, and I'm like, oh, yes. I have totally seen all of those movies in depth and can tell you things from them. Because, like, I've seen at least the first two Jurassic Parks, but I was young. Can't tell you anything that happened to them. Except that dude was on the toilet and he got eaten on the toilet. Um, and then Jurassic World, I've seen Fallen, the first one. I've not seen Fallen Kingdom. I've seen the first one, though. So, you know, if you want me to see Dominion, you gotta give me a bit. I got, like, five movies to watch. And the movie's already out, so, like, I gotta hurry up before that happens. Um... Anyways, this is a very extended intro. I need to learn how to shut up. Um, I enjoyed this. I did. And I hope the audio isn't too bad. This is unedited. I hope that my zoning out was not as long. It felt very short for me. It could have been 10 hours. I hope it wasn't too bad. My dog working. Let's hope it was good. Um, so, yeah. I have plans for the future. And I've said this like 18 times. And we're gonna... I'm gonna find a way to um, make this work. So, um, bye. Bye-bye. Uh, b- bye. Actually, one last thing, because it's kind of funny to me. I'm, like, reviewing the audio right now, and I didn't realize... <laughs> like, I should have realized, um, when I'm, like, uh, 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 quoting the the scene of Jonathan and Nancy of, like, only love makes you that stu-. I was, like, watching, like, a TikTok edit, because I just remember it had the line in it, because, obviously, I'm chronically online. Of course I see TikTok edits, and my headphones are at 100% volume, because nothing is playing and I just uh, the it is whatever and um you could hear it through the headphones in the and it's just it's funny to me I just wanted to say that okay this is officially the end um of the episode uh bye officially now bye yeah bye